0: Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis, 2011,
1: and Ryan. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 58 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty and today on this fine autumn morning I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law Ryan. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing
0: great. Yeah, I had all my windows open last night, and it just cool, like sixty degree weather f- flowing through my apartment.
1: Whew, man! We might have uh, dip down to like the the high forties, low fifties. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Um, except
0: you can't keep your windows open because your pipes freeze. But besides that, it's good. Well,
1: I think we have a little bit ways to, a little ways to go before we get to that dangerous territory. Treacherous winters ahead. I am drinking some fine Twinnings lemon and ginger tea mixed with a little bit of organic honey for this show, which is going to be a packed episode, Ryan. Yes, it is. We have a lot to get through. And in case you guys care, I'm drinking black coffee and poison juice. And poison juice, Ryan, for the listeners that don't know, what is that? It's aspartame. <laughs> <laughs> Spoonfuls of aspartame. Basically. It's little crystal light packets, you know? What yeah. flavor you got today? Uh, Raspberry. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Sounds tasty. <laughs> yeah. So, if you haven't been following the Discord, or if you're not on the Discord, it is uh, an area, it's like a forum. You can actually pop in there, ask us some questions, get in on the discussion. Last night, I dropped a little note to the listeners, the dedicated listeners, if you will. ChronoLink 9-1, <laughs> Logan, Sean Hamborsky. Else. Oh, I shouldn't have said his last name. That's okay. Sean doesn't mind. Sean Hannity. That's literally his... Uh, <laughs> His Discord name, his, I think is, is his name. It's beside the point. I dropped the message in there. He lives in Kentucky. He does. Find him. <laughs> <laughs> like a mass in a cold. <laughs> that's right. Anyways, I dropped the note in there, kind of just getting a feel for how the listeners feel about potentially taking this podcast into new territories. You know, it, it's no secret that Ryan and I have recently been... Uh, We're taking it to space. That's right. No. It's the front frontier. The language has been a little bit more colorful, if you will. If you've been listening since day one, you knew that I would bleep it out with like an R2D2 noise or something like that. Yeah,
0: for like two episodes. I love it that like in the Discord you're like, yeah, for men, like for episodes. And I was like, it's been like at least one or two. And then we just said, screw it, like swear less.
1: Yeah. So full disclosure, when Ryan and I have conversations outside of the you know the realm of the podcast, we're not like sailors. We're not swearing profusely it's not over the top it's it's purposeful it's intentional when we swear it's to add emphasis to things that we're saying and you know i made a joke the other day because i think i spoke about it a couple episodes ago when ryan and i i had to take him to the airport because he had a business trip in chicago listen a few episodes back to see his uh crazy story about getting lost in chicago yeah but anyways we had this long discussion about a whole slew of random topics one of them being stalin and hitler and who was Stalin was worse. We, you know, we've came to terms with and, and I wish we could have recorded some of those conversations. And even a couple of days ago when when we went to see the Joker, which we'll get to here shortly, yeah. we were having really deep conversation about Catholicism and um, the Catholic church and things that have been going on in the Catholic church and all kinds of stuff like that. And I was saying, I wish we could hook up our mics to my dashboard and just record these conversations because yeah. we have really excellent Dialogue with one another, but we swear. Like, that's yeah. just, you know. And if we want this podcast to be kind of true to who Ryan and I are and true to what we talk about and how we talk outside of the podcast, we might need to flag it as ex- explicit. And again, we're not doing it excessively, but I want to be fair to listeners that are new and even longtime listeners um, that if that's not what you're looking for and it's not, you know, appropriate to What's the uh, your threshold? ears.
0: Of explicit to non-explicit.
1: Well, it's it's purely, I think, listener dis- discretion. Yeah, I mean, ah. you can flag a podcast on iTunes that's listed as clean if they're swearing. Is
0: Joe Rogan explicit?
1: Absolutely. You okay. can say whatever you want on that podcast. That's true. Yeah. Okay.
0: Does he have a little tag?
1: I yeah, it, it. it does say like parental advisory, explicit. Ah. Okay. because
0: um, we don't talking about anything terrible. Like we don't go into like sexual stuff or like let's here's how you murder people. It's just like a few swear words. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's I a podcast. Know, I that, don't know how podcast. It's are. a podcast about video games, folks. Like, yeah. I mean, you listen to the All Gen Gamers podcast back in the day. I listened to Nintendo World Report, which is an outstanding podcast. You can check them out. There's a lot of podcasts that I listened to heavily back in the day. Um, Jumble Junkie, what, what was his podcast? I can't remember. Um, Operation Kill Screen. That was back in the 2010 to 2013 days or something. Um, but yeah, I, th- I want to be fair to the listeners, both new and old, that, uh, yeah, we might be taking this, we will be taking this to the explicit territory, oh, okay. Ryan. So it's already decided. It. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it just makes sense because... You post it, so I <laughs>
0: do what you want.
1: Well, yeah, again, I want to make sure that it's abundantly yeah. clear what people are getting into when they click download. That's fair. And if it says clean and we open up the podcast and... You're screaming and
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Was that last week? That was last week. I think that was last week. We got some messages. We're like, you scared the crap out of us.
1: Yeah. Well, it was funny because Logan was actually lifting when I, he was th- th- listening.
0: I literally laughed out loud in my cubicle
1: when I sent you the message. You
0: sent me that message, and I was just picturing like he's going down for, like a bench press, and then all of a sudden I just scream. And he's like, whoosh, whoosh, yeah, and like just pumps out like seven hundred pounds. Yeah, because I scared him.
1: Well, he said he'd like to give you $1. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. He'll send. That's actually in the mail right now. <laughs> okay. Snail mail. Yeah, so like, I'll frame it. You'll get that in about a week. Ryan, we should probably just dive right into the episode. All right. We've got... We want to talk about The Joker. We will do both non-spoiler and spoiler episode. We'll make that very clear before we dip into the spoiler territory. We also wanted to do back-of-the-box trivia. Mm-hmm. So Ryan picked eight games. I picked eight games. We'll go back and forth with one another. Whoever wins rules supreme of this podcast.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Supreme Leader. And we also are going to do the final 10 hypotheticals at the end of this episode. And of course, we got to talk about the games we've been playing recently. We don't do an episode where we don't talk about that. I know for me, Ryan, I have a very interesting game to discuss. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about it. Which we'll get to later. Ryan, what did you think about The Joker? I
0: thought it was a great Joker movie. Mm-hmm. Like It was a great origin story for The Joker, and that's how I'd want it to be laid out. As far as, isn't it an enjoyable movie for everyone? No. Mm-hmm. Is it uncomfortable? Definitely yes. Um, it, I don't know if I'd want to see it again anytime soon, because it takes like, an emotional toll on you.
1: It does. Um,
0: but yeah, I thought his acting was amazing.
1: Yeah, I thought jo- Joaquin Phoenix, of course, who's playing the Joker in this case, He did an outstanding job. I thought Todd Phillips, who has previously directed the Hangover movies, coming from extreme over-the-top comedy to very dark, depressing, realistic take on a mentally unstable Joker, is quite a shift from a director's perspective. And I thought he knocked it out of the park uh, as a director. I thought the cinematography was brilliant. There were certain scenes, the way they shot were just, like, left you just, like, Oh my gosh, that was so perfect. Yeah. And of course, a movie is only so good no matter how you shoot it as the actors that are portraying those 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 roles and Phoenix just really brings such a new perspective to the Joker. And of course, all the comparisons are going to be made of who's the best Joker. Is he as good as Heath? And I don't even think you can I mean, you of course you can compare, but it's so challenging for me personally to compare because they bring such strikingly different takes to the Joker, with mm-hmm. Heath being more this grungy, gangster-type role, and Joaquin is just a very depressed man who finally, because of some of the things that he does, begins to b- become noticed. And then he gets this sense of power and belonging because of that. Yeah. But for the, what it takes for him to get to that spot is just... Horrifying.
0: I think they're on the same level. Like you can compare them, but they're in different parts of the timeline of that character. So like, Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal was kind of the conception of the Joker. Mm -hmm. What he was before and what he is now. And then if you skip down like 10-15 years after he embraces everything is where Heath Ledger comes in. Yeah, that's true. Because he, Heath Ledger is kind of... Joker's come into his own, understands who he is, and kind of... He doesn't really have a, a drive besides just anarchy and chaos. Mm-hmm. But, like... I think that's... Yeah, further down the timeline.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Without getting into spoilers. Yeah,
1: definitely. So some of the other things that I that really <laughs> enjoyed from this movie, in particularly, and this is, should come as no surprise... Uh, and it's something that I always notice in, in film and TV and, and video games, was the music. Yeah, I thought it was completely, you know, it was unsettling at times, but in the best of ways during critical scenes. And what's interesting is I was watching a interview between Joaquin Phoenix and I believe it was Jimmy Kimmel a couple nights ago, which was the worst interview because Joaquin's clearly an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't like to, one, talk excessively in interviews, certainly not in front of millions of people on live television but Kimmel wasn't picking up on that and even if he was he wasn't you know modifying or adapting the interview to play into his insecurity yeah and so watch the interview it's it's phoenix still gives a lot of great um insights into the movie how it was filmed and his um approach to filming uh, the Joker, but, you know, Kimmel was asking him about method acting, and he was like, I don't know what that is, and he's like, you lost a lot of weight for this role, you was really thin. He's like, how much weight did you lose? And he's like, nah, I don't know. Like, yeah. he didn't care, he was very humble about, you know, because some actors might be, oh, yeah, man, lost 75 pounds, yeah. didn't eat for weeks. But he, did, he didn't really do that, he was just really wanted to talk about the movie, but what he did say is, and I don't know how films are typically, I guess, filmed. I don't know, like, John Williams, he's, currently scoring uh, rise of skywalker well they wrapped filming back in like february yeah they sent todd phillips the score for the entire movie before they were, they wrapped mm-hmm. and so phoenix was able to listen to that music and adapt his performance and his dancing to that that's really cool which i think is really cool so he'd, he'd go on set and kind of channel whatever energy he needed with the music in mind which it goes to, it's it certainly shows because when he's dancing on the steps or when he's in the bathroom dancing and this weird, disturbing like music that's just strings that's playing. Yeah, reminds me a lot of Game of Thrones. Actually, mm-hmm. it just perfectly fits to what he's doing on screen. It does. So, yeah. that that was really cool. Um, there are a lot of nods to other Jokers. There were, and I think this is when repeat viewings kind of. Are necessary yeah. and certainly just reading online in uh, online articles to call out like oh this is a nod to such and such as Joker the only one in particular that I got I'll probably have to talk about in the spoiler section mm-hmm. um, but for me it was a nod to Jack Nicholson's Joker yeah which was pretty neat but yeah I mean overall if I had to like score this movie like from with a number I would say like nine nine five
0: yeah no I'd be the same place as far as like rewatchability or like Overall enjoyment, probably eight or seven, five. Because it is, it's, I mean, for anyone who's not antisocial or has empathy, it's hard to watch someone be abused for like an hour and a half.
1: And it'd if- be like, God, I. Give me more of this. Well, it really is. I mean, it's not until like the last 30 minutes where it's like, all right, buckle up. This is going <laughs> to get real intense right now. Yeah. Now, there are moments of intensity earlier on in the movie, and I would say the entirety of the movie is exhausting emotionally. Yes. It really is. Um, And that speaks to its, its brilliance because I think they really did a good job portraying the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they didn't do it how they how they did it then it wouldn't have been i think true to who the joker was and how he became who he is yeah so really good i think for me personally like ryan was saying it's not a movie that i'm going to be rushing to the theater tomorrow for a, sec- a repeat viewing remind reminded me a lot of Gran Torino with clint eastwood i don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that movie yeah there's also one that they keep talking about taxi driver It was with Robert De Niro. Yeah. I've never seen it. Okay. I think Jodie Foster, that was like one of her first roles too. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen it. Because I think I won Best Picture back in the the 80s, maybe even late 70s. Not late 70s. I don't think it was the 70s. Probably 80s. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like Gran Torino, it's an amazing movie, but it's so emotionally draining and and moving. By the end of it, it's just like, gosh, I need to take a nap.
0: Yeah, because I was getting the urge to watch Us, but then again oh yeah yeah with but it's Fields. like it's such an emotional like tense movie i'm like i don't know if i really i feel like i come out more exhausted mm-hmm. like usually you try to watch movies to be like oh yeah i'm ready to do whatever like get more energy but those type of movies are hard yeah but overall it was a great movie yeah Good it's stuff. worth
1: seeing ryan and i are probably gonna break real quick and then we're going to get into more spoiler stuff. So we're going to actually crop this, and I'll put it in the back end of the episode so that um, it'll be the last thing you hear. You can come back and listen to the episode after you've seen the movie. Or if you don't care about spoilers, by all means, listen to the end of the episode, and Ryan and I will have a spoiler-filled discussion. Yeah,
0: because it's only been out for two days, and we don't want to like immediately, if you want to skip spoilers, have to fast-forward, and then you skip into the middle of spoilers, and then we ruin something for you. Yeah, because I don't to. So have- End with it.
1: Yeah, I don't have timestamps in this in this uh, podcast. I don't. I don't have. Ain't got time for that, Ryan.
0: Yeah, I mean we we can only do one thing per episode, and adding explicit is what we're deciding to do. That's right. So no (laughs) timestamps. Suck it up, assholes.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't think the listeners are assholes, Ryan.
0: Oh well,
1: I retract that then. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's good. We have a lot to get into. Ryan and I just finished talking the spoiler cast for the Joker, which you'll find in the back half of the episode. Don't even worry about it. But right now, Ryan, we have to talk about the games we've been playing recently. What have you been playing this week? I've been playing lots of Pokemon. Oh, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I've been wonder trading mm. while well, I eat breakfast before work. Okay. Um, I usually get about five to ten shinies before work. Are you serious? I'm pretty serious. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm pretty good. So, like, my <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. And, um,. So, like, I'm eating breakfast, I'm packing my gym clothes and backpack and everything. And, like, just trying to mentally prepare uh, and wake up. And I'm, like, wonder trading as I'm doing that. Okay. But, like, I've gotten to the point that it's, I'm so consistent at getting stuff that I can't keep all of my Pokemon. Like, I can't keep boxes full to trade. So, I'm sitting now on two poke or, like, zero Pokemon on one DS and like two on the other for what I have to wonder trade. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while to catch like 60 Pokemon or like 120 Pokemon. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so that's what I have to do. Um, It's crazy. So I've been trading out shinies for mythics Mm -hmm. and the mythics being like um, Hoopa, Arceus, Meloetta, Celebi, Mew, Volcanion and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the ones that you can only... You can't get them in-game. Like, you can get a Legendary. Mythics, you get from, um, like, GameStop events. Mm -hmm. Or, like, people who are trading on GTS. But, like, the only legit way to get them are to go to GameStop when they're doing things. And, like, back in college, they were releasing a Mythic at GameStop each month. Oh, wow. For people who hadn't gone and gotten them years ago. So we'd go and we'd get one like per month or two per month because we had two games that they'd be on and we put them in our ds so you'd get them through the, the gift system so like now i'm trading shinies for those guys and i have like 45 mythics on one game and i have about 30 mythics on the other oh my gosh and then i have about 30 to 45 in my poker bank that are like legit
1: now, does the sense of, like, satisfaction when you get a shiny, like, gone down? Because my sense of satisfaction hearing you talk about Pokemon has gone down, like, significantly. Yeah, you become numb to it. No, my—getting a shiny,
0: no, because I know, like, I have the potential to change this into a mythic and then a mythic into a new shiny. Okay. Getting a new shiny that I don't have because I have, like—I think I'm up to, like, 420 instead of 412, like, before. Mm-hmm. I still get super pumped like I need I don't know what I got recently I was looking for a magmar but like if I were to get a magmar because he's gone through a few cycles I'd be like getting out like yeah like I'd start screaming yeah like you get really excited getting because the guy we watch he's starting to do instead of shiny legendaries he's just been doing regular legendaries Mm -hmm. and I get pissed now when I get a legendary like this is just gonna take up space in my Pokebank. Yeah. So I actually started trading out like some of the lower level legendaries. Like Registeel, Regirock, and Regice. Ice. No one asks for those. Mm-hmm. But because you can get those in every run. I mean, people still like Kyogre and Grodon or Groudon for trades. But like the Regis, I wonder traded those back out. I was like, screw that. I don't yeah. need those. But like. I'm so desensitized because I have, I have to go upload all my PokeBank stuff. I have like 45 shinies on top of that in just my base games from what I've been getting, because I can't trade out shinies quick enough. Yeah, for mythics, and it's usually about two mythics per day mm. for GTS. Um, so I'm doing all right wealth wise, but like now I'm like with all these mythics, I might as well just um, do a bank. Yeah or poke a bank box for each mythic and just fill it up. Like, 30 Arceuses? Sure. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. But, like, I might as well, because I was trying to do three of each legendary, just so if someone asks... Like, eventually I'll just do shopping once I get everything I want for mythics and, like, build up a bank. But, yeah, you're, like, twitching over here. Yeah, dude, it's, I have, like, a game plan. It goes but, so way over my head. No, even in the Discord, I just put my, like just so it doesn't look like i'm talking out of my ass yeah so i put my uh mythic you tend to do that a lot though yeah i do but like this one i'm 100 percent legit like that's actually i put my spreadsheet of who i have and who i don't and who i haven't like it's all color coded it's got 120 pokemon
1: or 720 check that out it's a good resource on the discord ryan dropped his shiny excel spreadsheet
0: it's it has a link to the um, what is it the dark web sheets oh where it has all yeah the dark web okay yeah the wikipedia where you can buy drugs and guns and illegal pokemon yeah what am i doing to this mic i don't know and um yeah so that's there on the internet now um yeah i also have more importantly i've been playing monster hunter oh gosh so i think last time i don't know how far i was maybe seven or eight missions in i think i think so um i'm now 18 i'm on the 18th mission out of 23. <laughs> so i have five more missions in the main store i just so the cover of iceborne is Nergigante, which is kind of the um monster hunter world flagship monster yeah he's a big spite, like spiky dude
1: sure i trust you ryan and uh that's lauren
0: yeah he's fighting this ice dragon mm-hmm. i don't know if you've seen the cover and the the Ice Dragon's name is Valkana. And he's kind of the first final boss. And, like, the way that Monster Hunter World, the base game, is set up is you go through and you're fighting this monster, Zora Magnaros, and then you fight. He's just this giant mountain of a dragon. The
1: crazy thing is how you know and remember the names of these giants.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I've fought Zora Magnaros a few times. <laughs> and then... Um, there's some of the names, I, there's no way I'd remember them. But, like, yeah, so the first half of that game is Fighting Zora Magdaros. And then the second half is you're going after a bigger monster, which is Xenojiva. Another crazy name.
1: Yeah, so the, the boss in Resident Evil's name is Jack. <laughs> yeah,
0: very close. I think they're
1: brothers. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, like... The, the DLC is set up the same structure as that. There's a first main boss, which is Valkana. Mm-hmm. And then there's another second half of that. And there's five more quests. And it significantly ramps up the difficulty after that first boss. Similar to how it was in the base game. Gotcha. So I just beat Valkana last night. And now I'm... So there's this thing called the Bezel Goose in the base game. Okay. And he's basically a Boeing 747 who just flies in and drops bombs everywhere. Nice. And they, like, so his shell, I don't know if they're eggs or shells. He just drops them and they explode. And there's a notorious mission once you get into, after Xena Jiva, after you beat that, it's two tempered bezel geese. So it's like two of them flying around, but they're tempered, so they're just they do way more damage. Okay. And it's just two basically airplanes dropping bombs, and they dive bomb and just like explode. So now after I beat Valkana, the current boss I'm on is a seething bezel Bezelgoose? bezel goose, bezel goose. Okay. And uh, this one is in master rank. They have more health. They do more damage. And this is a variant of a bezel goose, so it's like a nuclear bezel goose. And, like, instead of just dropping bombs, like, he's always basically actively on fire kind of thing. And whenever he moves his tail, freaking grenades go everywhere. Yeah. And, like, he goes a nuclear form where he starts turning blue on, like, the bottom of his explodey shells. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds nuts out of context. But um, he drops these... The same type of bombs where he just flies over and carpet bombs the map. And then the bombs... Like warp into these nuclear like fissiony things and they turn purple and just explode it's kind of like plasma almost yeah and like one it was a four-person party that i just randomly joined after beat falcona last night i was like I'll, I'll try once before i go to bed maybe i'll get lucky and i can go on to the next quest yeah yeah one guy died and then he went nuclear towards like second half of the fight. And then he dive-bombed as he was nuclear on fire and just killed two people with his dive-bomb, and we lost the fight. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, this is going to be a pain in the ass. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Um, my old roommate, I think I said it last time, he got rid of his PS4, so we had to start over. And we had been grinding him up through High Rank, which is the, basically the end portion of the base game. Mm-hmm. And he had been farming nerd Gigante, like a gem which is like the rarest portion of it so like he, most monsters have a gem so like you need the nerds gem and like there's a large wyvern gem which has like a family of monsters and then horns and like tails are the hardest thing to get so he had been fighting um shala Deora, which is like <laughs> i love your eye twitches during these names dude he's like this gr- black wind dragon who
1: just sits in a tornado. When you said the name, that's how I pictured him. Yeah,
0: I mean obviously. Yeah, and Tiastra is this red like tiger dragon. Oh, definitely. And Lunala is his blue form. Of course. Yeah, for like sun and moon. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, Shala Deora, um, he had killed him a few times with Ben, and he needed three horns, mm-hmm. which is a rare drop, and usually it takes like. Four or five. And Ben had gotten one or two horns on his attempt. Does this have vodka and water in it? Mm. And um, It's water. Too bad. <laughs> You'll need some vodka. Gosh. And um, so he goes into the first mission with Kushal De'Ora with me. Mm-hmm. We kill it in like seven minutes. He gets three horns, everything he needs. We go into a Barioth, which is like this shell thing, and he gets a Wyvern gem. We go into our first Nerd Gigante He gets a Nerd Gigante gem, and like his luck was just crazy. And it's all because I'm awesome, uh, yeah. obviously. Um, and then the we had another one of their friends join, and like the first mission we did with him, he got a Nerd Gigante gem.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: So he's now he just started master rank. I'm towards the end half of. Uh, master rank and then like after you beat the final boss there's two other bosses and then the f- so like I'm hunter rank probably like 18 now I think or master rank um, and then like you're level gated so I'm probably around 30 okay you don't get to fight some monsters until like master rank 100 oh, wow. which is like end end game how long do you think it would take you to get that get there <coughs> Well, I'm hunter rank 118. And I've played, like, 260 hours on this one character.
1: Okay. But it was hilarious
0: that, like, you can see each other in the gathering hub, which is, like, this top portion of the... Like, you just sit around and you can do missions and stuff together. But you can actually see what the other people look like. Usually in the world, you can't. So, like, you go into the gathering hub and you can see people's armors and see who's in your, your squad. So we went up and, like... I guess it came to the realization that this is a JRPG and like it was us sitting in a hot tub and then there's like different animations that you could do and it was toggle your armor so it was just us three dudes sitting in the hot tub just as like shirtless dudes in just shorts and then it seemed like Ben starts crawling around the hot tub and like I'm like you can splash if you click X and stuff I was like Wow, this is very JRPG. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, last night I was decking out my house, which is beautiful, by the way. Mm -hmm. And um, I put a bunch of cat pictures (laughs) up on the walls and things. And it was me. You could place animals that you capture in the environments when you're, like, hunting things in your house. So I had put a bunch of these adorable, like, they look like red pandas if red pandas were gray and white Mm -hmm. i put them in this like steam or like hot spring that i have outside of my house near my pond and it was just me chilling in the hot spring with a bunch of squirrels and i was like this is like i sent you a picture and there's this giant green blob in the background i don't know if you noticed when did you send that picture last night i might have already been sleeping you responded to it so probably But, like, there's a green blob in the background, and it's, like, a rare pet that you get on a hunt. So there's, like, these vigor wasps, and they have, like, a green bubble that are usually relative size.
1: Oh, yeah. I did respond. You said, uh, chilling with my squirrels in a hot spring. (coughs) Yep, as people do. And then you said, yeah, I do that on Wednesday. I said that's usually a Wednesday endeavor, but but I can appreciate the Friday squirrel
0: chilling. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's such a good. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Someday Rusty will play Monster Hunter. Yeah. But it is not this day, Ryan. It is not. No, I
0: mean, like I used to be afraid of Nergigante. Like cuz in high rank with high rank stuff, he's terrifying. It's understandable. I still have nightmares about him. I know, right? His spike shooting and his growl. There was a one point where like they were trying to boost me up to get to where they were so we could fight together. And I was crawling into the map and I was like, you crawl through this little crevice of an opening and they're like, dude, just stay back because I died like once or twice Mm -hmm. because I was in like a lower gear and it was just me chilling in like this crevice watching them. And then like the monster would come over and just sit right outside my face because I was in like this protected zone. No one could do anything. So they would just like sit down and just watch it, like try to murder me.
1: Sounds like a raging good time, Ryan.
0: It's a lot of fun, yeah, very different than like Nino Cooney,
1: just a bit, yeah, just a bit <laughs> more squirrels more squirrels than Nino Cooney, probably
0: yeah, what you've been playing a game that's very different?
1: I have been playing a game that is yeah, very, very different than uh the monster Hunter. I did end up finishing Rise of the Tomb Raider last week. I think I talked about it um pretty extensively on the last episode, but really, if you're looking for an uncharted like experience with the set piece crazy moments that are out of a michael bay film definitely check it out it's your indiana jones solvent puzzles raiding tombs exploring and scavenging for resources crafting new weapons and things like that it's a really good time and of course it's set the story up in such a way that uh there's going to be another one and that yeah. already came out shadow of the tomb raider uh, dean friend of the show fellow pittsburgh steeler fan said the game's horrendous Really? I don't know why, if that's from a story perspective. I think he did say it's almost too open-worldy. Like, there's just too much open space. You're not really sure where you're supposed to go. Which, I kind of saw a little bit of that in this one. When you got to a new area, it was a lot more open than the, the previous game, just called Tomb Raider. And, like Uncharted, you kind of, like, you play these games for... I don't want to say linear. a very corridor linear experience, but you kind of play those games for a linear, cohesive story beginning to end, and Tomb Raider's kind of opening it up to being like, oh no, this is more of like a Dragon Age game where you can go all over the place, and there's side quests, and it's like, that's not really why I play these games. So Yeah, it's kind of like
0: a, a more Horizon approach. It, it is. It's had a lot of elements of Horizon.
1: Yeah, I would say the, the, the more, you know, be- the better comparison would be to, to Horizon, so I'll be the judge of that. I'll probably play it um, at some point in the near future. I have it on my Amazon wish list. It's 20 bucks to get shot of the Tomb Raider. So when I'm looking for that like an Uncharted experience, I'll, I'll grab it. But a yeah. couple of days, or last week after I finished Rise of the Tomb Raider, I was looking at my shelf and I'm like, what sounds good right now? And the answer was nothing. And I really didn't know if I wanted like a first-person shooter. Uh, I debated downloading A Hat in Time, which is a 3D platformer. I didn't want to pay 30 bucks for it. And I'm like, you know what? It was on my list of want-to-plays for 2019, particularly in the october Halloween month. I was like, I got to play Resident Evil 7. I just got to do it. Yeah. And my history with horror games is Resident Evil 4, 5, played Revelations on the 3DS. Alan Wake, a great game on the Xbox 360. Rest in Peace, Remedy. I don't think they're going to make revive that series What else did I play? Alone in the Dark on the Wii, which was absolutely terrible. I don't have a tremendous, you know, uh, bucket of horror games that I've played in the past. Certainly nothing like Resident Evil 7. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with 7 or the series in general, all the prior games kind of have a, I would say, a bucket of familiar characters. You have Leon Kennedy, you have Claire. Um, whatever her name is, Albert Wesker, Chris Redfield, you have somewhat familiar characters that are in each of the different games in some capacity. This is a wholly original adventure that they created from the ground up. There's no reference to uh, other characters from other series, at least that I've seen thus far, and I'm about 50% of the way through. So to kind of set the stage, Ryan, Mm -hmm. the game opens up, and it's a video recording of your assumed-to-be wife And she seems to be on some kind of work trip, vacation, but she's not with you. And she's expressing her love for you, how much she misses you, the whole nine. Well, then the camera kind of pans out and it's her on a computer in this weird dark house taking another video of herself saying, Ethan, if you see this video, do not come looking for me. And so you're like, huh? Well, then... The scene cuts, and you work s- must be rough. <laughs> yeah. The scene cuts, and you see this guy driving this car down this old country road, and he's talking to someone on the phone, and it's three years after that she video. she'd gone missing, and so that video went viral, and you know she's apparently still alive, or so you hope. Mm-hmm. And you're driving this, down this country road, and you cut off and go down this long narrow path, and you park your car outside of this house. And the atmosphere in this game is outstanding. It's unlike any thing I've played, certainly in a horror game. Um, but atmospherically, Ryan, if you if you you know, we have a lot of backcountry roads in the state that we live in, with yeah. cornfields and everything like that. If you're driving down this this road and you see this this forested area, right, and then you see this gated fence with a rusted sign that's kinda unhinged, a few screws loose, it's hanging down and it says private property, no trespassing. This is kind of the house that you would imagine yeah. coming to if you ended up trespassing and going down this, this path. So you park your car. You walk up to this house. It's really gross. Clearly, structurally, it's falling apart. The, the walls are kind of bowing in. It's just not, not a good place. So you're walking through this house and you're picking up objects. There's pictures all over the place that you can kind of pick up, inspect, spin around, there's writing on the back of them and things like that. You walk into the kitchen, there's like nasty intestines on the the kitchen table. You open up the fridge, everything's rotting and molding and disgusting. Well, eventually, you find out that your wife is somewhere in the house. Do you know why you
0: knew to go there?
1: That's an excellent question, actually. I don't know how we knew how to get here, specifically. That might have been
0: in that three years somewhere
1: well yeah that and it also could have been that's something they're gonna explain maybe well later. that too but when he was on the phone with someone in the beginning of the game I'm not sure if he talked about that or not I can't remember yeah cause I mean like
0: hey where's your wife she's down maybe, with maybe she's with her parents she's, like,
1: maybe she's on vacation
0: or ran away with a mailman or whatever but like going to the most creepy abandoned house on
1: the like in the driveway well she's in Louisiana but again I don't know how known for their horror I don't know how he knew to go to this house okay Whatever. He ends up going down to the basement and he sees his wife sleeping on this cot in this jail cell. Well, he opens up the jail cell, goes up to her and is like, Mia, what what's going on? What are you doing here? And she's just like, Oh, hey Ethan, why why are you here? As if everything is perfectly fine, even she's been gone for three freaking years. And she's like, Oh my gosh, Daddy. Daddy's coming. Did you see Daddy? Oh my gosh, he's probably looking for me. He's probably worried about me. And you're thinking, like, daddy is that like some sexual innuendo like are you seeing someone else she's like follow me so you follow her you have to kind of sneak your way through all these pipes and you come into this area she sits on the couch and just needs a moment to rest and you're like okay that's fine you walk into the next room that's just littered with porcelain dolls on the walls and you're like this is messed up then you hear a ruckus behind you she screams you run back she's gone this wall had a secret doorway that's clearly where she went. You're like, all right. So you walk up this or you walk into this doorway. You walk up these stairs and you enter this new hallway. Things get freaky because now you're worried about someone popping out at any instance because there's no music. There's no ambient themes going on. It's just nothing. Is there S- music in the entire game? Silence. Silence. Yeah, there's like some kind of ambient sounds, but nothing. This is silent. I don't think you can like listen to the Resident Evil 7 soundtrack on. Nothing I'd be frequenting on YouTube when I'm working. So you walk into this bathroom in the hallway and you find, you know, like some first aid stuff that you can later apply to yourself when you're getting shot in the face or whatever. And then you hear a door creak open and you're like, oh shit. You look down the hallway and you see the doorway to the basement that you just left open. And you're like, I'm pretty sure I closed that. You walk over, you open up the door, and you see your wife crawling up the stairs. And then she stops halfway through. And you're like, what's going on here? I don't like this. So then you start walking down the stairs and then she jumps up in your face, clearly freaking possessed. Her eyes are like black, like her pupils are purely black. And she's, like, screaming in this dark, like, voice. Like, she's clearly possessed by some demon. And you're like, holy shit. So you start trucking it the other way. And you go into the bathroom. And then she kind of just disappears. <laughs> you, uh, you, you scroll Instagram as you're taking a shit in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, you play a game like Skyrim, right? Yeah. And it's kind of freaky because you're out in these open, you know, environments. And then you hear a bear, right? And you're like, oh, shit, there's a bear somewhere near me. Yeah. And he starts fucking chasing you. And you're really scared. And it's... But you get away or you shoot it with a couple arrows and you're fine. Yeah. This game, after I leave the bathroom wondering what's going on with my wife, you turn the corner, she is there, stabs you in the hand with a screwdriver to the wall, runs around the corner, grabs a chainsaw and cuts off your fucking arm.
0: Oh shit. And your arm
1: is literally off, like just severed off. Your hands just flop it on the ground and she's laughing hysterically and then runs away. And so you're sitting here staring at your arm like why did my wife just stab a screwdriver to the wall in my hand, pin me there, and then cut my hand off with a chainsaw. So at this point, Lauren's in the other room and I'm like freaking out. Scooby's sitting with me. He's like, Dad, what, what's going on here? Because yeah. I'm audibly screaming at parts. Yeah. Like When that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, what's, what's going on? So then – you make your way up the stairs, you save the game, and then you go up into the attic. So you're kind of browsing around, you find a handgun, you find some ammo. And you still have one hand at this point. Yes, you have one hand. So I'm thinking, like, if I find a shotgun later in the game, how am I going to use that with one hand? Yeah. Don't even worry about it, Ryan. So I walk into this area where I see a ladder going out a window, and I'm thinking, okay, that maybe that leads outside, I can find another room to get into and find out what the heck's going on, or just book it and get the hell out of here, which is what I probably should have done when I parked the car and saw the house to begin with. He's committed, Ryan. He's a married man. Yeah, I was going to say, wow. So as you're walking up this ladder, not two seconds into your casual walk, she chainsaws the window open, jumps down, is laughing hysterically and running towards with the chainsaw trying to saw you in half. You shoot her like a million times, and then she drops seemingly dead. And then this old man walks up to you, smacks you in the head with a shovel and says, welcome to the family. And you're just like, wow, okay. Screen fades to black. Yeah. You wake up and you're sitting at the table with this old man, his wife, their son, who's absolutely crazed, and their grandma, or probably his mom, in a wheelchair that looks half dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're not eating like pork chops and sweet potatoes and corn as you would hopefully eat in the South, yeah. maybe some fried chicken. You're eating like cow and pig intestines that's just flopped on the table. There's no beers to wash this down. There's just nasty, murky water. And intestines is not a fun thing to eat. No, I wouldn't think so. And you you can speak to yeah, that. You not can attest. Fun. So the son's making a ruckus. He's like absolutely crazed. He's saying a whole bunch of nonsense. The dad tells him to shut up and he doesn't shut up so his dad walks over takes a cleaver and just cuts his son's hand off
0: nice you can relate (laughs) and then
1: they basically call you an ungrateful bastard for not enjoying the meal and they all get up and leave and that's when you kind of just bust out of the chair and you're set off on this crazy ridiculous adventure
0: so i want to know what happens next so what happens next
1: you're, I'm invested. Are you really? I
0: am invested. I don't know what happens because I'm not going to play
1: this. <laughs> okay, so you find a save point, which in this game there's like uh like tape Forbes players or whatever tape players. Oh, okay. typically it was a typewriter in previous Resident Evil games. So in this, it's a um like a tape recorder.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you you're in this almost bunker-like area, right? And you save there and you open up a bunch of things. And there's a great sense of exploration here because it's not like there's ammo packs that are just sitting right there. No, You're in a home. You have to kind of sift through all things on the walls, find um, like boxes and cut them open with your pocket knife to, you know. Similar to The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. A lot of scavenging for resources. And so you get more ammo for your handgun. You open up the door and you're looking down this long hallway And very slowly, the dad walks back in the picture and he's just staring off into the distance, probably out of a window, not facing you. Okay. And you're thinking like, yep, to progress the story, I have to walk up to him. And so you walk up to him and he's like, what are you doing? How did you get out? And he just starts like chasing you around the house with this like broomstick. With, um, like, you know those things that you pl- uh, plow and sow soil with? Yeah. That has spikes on it? Yeah. It was like that, but there were, like, nails it was attached like a to it. kind a- of. Exactly. He starts chasing you around the house with that. So you think you kill him because you shoot him, like, 500 times in the face. But then, as you get, as you explore more of the house and you go upstairs, you find this bathroom, you find a bathtub with nasty black gunk. Yeah, it didn't look sanitary at all. But if you drain it, you get some uh, first aid spray. So,
0: Oh, yeah. That's where I want my first aid to be.
1: Well, it's funny. So junk. after you got your hand cut off, you just uh, dumped some whatever on it. Like It looks like yes water. Born. I think it's actually Michael Jordan's secret stuff from Space Jam.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And so you put Michael Jordan's secret stuff on your hand and you're magically fine again. I was going to say, you have two hands, like in the, when
0: I saw you playing.
1: Yeah, so they actually sewed your hand back on. Oh, cool. That's
0: very very courteous
1: work. of them. Very kind of them. And so you hear someone walking behind you, and you turn around, and it's the dad. He picks you up. Half of his face is blown off. You see his brain, and he proceeds to chase you around the house multiple more times. And it's not until much later in the game that you actually confront him with a chainsaw quite literally saw off his entire torso and upper body, he turns to a puddle. Ryan, no one's ever really gone, right? Yeah. Luke Skywalker made that abundantly clear in the Rise of Skywalker trailer, and this guy is no different because later in the game, when you find your wife, and you think you're gonna es- save her, escape, get on a little lifeboat, and get out of there, this gargantuan venom-like spider monster with like 500 eyes on his body takes you, rips you out of the place you're in and then you have to fight him again as this gargantuan monster but before all that ryan so this game is kind of in in sections with okay. each family member so the first section is fighting the dad the next section is fighting marguerite who's the mom which was super freaking scary because is that the bug girl yeah so she has a lantern that can um basically spawn like these nasty mosquito bugs Well, when you go into this house on the, like a swampy area, you go into this little outhouse place, you know, she's in there because, okay, maybe let's, let's backtrack again. I'm getting excited. Ryan, there's VHS tapes spread around the house. You can play these VHS tapes in the player and then it'll zoom in onto the TV and then you actually play out these scenarios as the character based on the tape. So the first tape that you play is actually Mia, your wife. And so when you play the tape, it's her running away from Marguerite. Okay. So she chases you into this house. You cross this bridge with all these babies, these baby dolls like yeah. hang up and strung up. Really creepy stuff. So you run into this, this place, this little warehouse um, on the water. And she's chasing you and saying all kinds of stuff, you ungrateful bitch, like we were going to make a home for you and all this like other kind of crazy stuff. So you're freaking out, you're kneeling down, kind of walking around, she's chasing you with this lantern. Well, you eventually find this hole in the ground, you jump down, you think you're safe. You're not safe, by the way. You start crawling in this hole on the ground, and once you get to the very end, you see an item that you can use to help you. I can't remember what it was, maybe a knife or something like that. Okay. You pick it up, and then your lighter goes out. And then you just hear, like something's coming up towards you. And then as soon as your lighter gets lit back up, she's like right in your freaking face. It me of um The Visit. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan's The like Visit. Like under the house? With those two kids. They're playing tag, and then the nasty old woman is like chasing you, like running really nasty, like a spider almost. Yeah. That's basically what this scenario was like. That was such a terrifying like scene. So when she, when, when the you light your lighter again and she's, like, right there. I screamed so loud. (laughs) I bet. Scooby, like, jumped. Lauren came out and was like, this is not okay. Scooby, come with me. She took Scooby in the room and then I was all by my lonesome. But I literally could not play this game without a companion. Like, the entire time I was playing it, Scooby was right under my arm, either laying on my lap or chewing a bone in my lap. And I'm just like sitting here playing this game, scared, out of my mind. And I will admit, so one, I'm not playing this in VR. Yeah. Because I'd probably would... die. <laughs> two. Why'd you pee yourself playing games? Oh, yeah, yeah. Two, um, Pete did a stream on Twitch before I was watching him consistently, before I was subscribed, back in, I think, last January. Okay. Not of this year, but the year prior, 2019 yeah. Or 2018 and it was an 11 hour stream of him playing this game it was it was two parter it was an ebay stream and he was also playing tereba which this is this japanese crane game it's something you play online in real time you put real world dollars control on your mobile device or ipad this this um this crane to try and pick up these items and if you get the item, it's like plushie dolls and posters yeah. and blankets and all all that kind of stuff. If you get the item, Japan ships it to you for free. Yeah. And it's also like a little addiction. Like some people...
0: Yeah, that's you were talking about that with... Um, way
1: long time ago. Yeah. Um, on the,
0: when we had him on.
1: Oh, yeah. We did talk with Pete back on episode nine. And then you guys were trying to convince me to download one.
0: That's and right. I did. And then I, I deleted it it's, quickly.
1: It's dangerous territory. <laughs> But anyways, he plays, of course, very relaxing video game music while he's doing that stream. So while I've been playing Resident Evil in the more intense parts, I've literally been listening and watching that, or at least having it on my computer while I'm exploring these houses, because it's it's night. It's like a nightmare going through this. He house. played in VR. Pete did. And was he terrified? Well, that's not the stream I was watching. Oh, okay. I'm watching the Tereba and eBay hunting stream. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. you
0: seen him play the terrifying stream? No stream? stream? Jesus.
1: No. That was brutal. No. <laughs> okay. Um But yeah, so I've killed well, I thought I killed the dad. When did you kill the mom when she freaked out at you? Yeah, so what ends up happening that's the that's the video with Mia. And then she ends up getting pulled away, dragged away by Marguerite, and she's basically screaming into this recording saying ethan please help me okay then it flashes back you're ethan again tape over so when you end up getting to marguerite it she's in this little house on the water and you fall into this ditch and well you have to get this key to go upstairs where there's this altar she calls it And you have to find this raven key to unlock it. Well, once you find the raven key, you walk up the stairs. The mom comes out of nowhere, freaks you the hell out, pushes you into this ditch, and you have a flamethrower, which is the only thing that can really hurt her and her little bugs. Yeah. So she spawns them with this, this lantern of hers. Well, you are shooting her repeatedly with this flamethrower. She falls into the ditch, and then the ditch starts rising with this black, nasty water. So you climb the ladder you get to the altar she's seemingly dead but again Mm -hmm. no No one's one's ever dead in this game you walk up the stairs you unlock the door you see this altar you open up this box and it's like this decrepit almost mummified baby and you're like what the heck is this you grab it the phone rings so in this game you're constantly being guided by zoe who's the daughter of this psycho family okay she realizes that they're absolutely nuts She probably needs to get away from them because what they're doing and there's a lot of story exposition that is not really explained. If you're not picking up documents, reading notes, reading things that are written on the walls, explaining some of the experiments that this family is doing. Yeah. I still don't have a clear idea of what's going on. I'm getting a better idea now based on what just happened in the story. Yeah. I think I know what's going on, but I don't want to spoil it for the listeners. Okay. But anyways, they're performing experiments on people. And you actually saw it in real time because earlier in the game, before you had any weapons and the dad was chasing you, Mm -hmm. there's someone knocking on the door. Well, you look through the window because you can't get out. Everything's locked. You see a police officer and you tell the police officer, you got to help me. This family is trying to kill me. Of course, he's just like, what are you talking about? He's like, I heard I got a call on suspicions of some crazy stuff going on out here. You know what's going on? And he's like, hand me your gun. The police officer's like, I'm not handing you my gun. He's like, I'll take this pocket knife, meet me around front in the garage. You're like, okay. So you cut the security tape off of this this box. You are able to open up the garage door, go into the garage. You're talking to this police officer and you're like, bro, you got to help me out. This family is crazy. They have my wife, they cut off my hand. And He's not believing any of it, even though your hands... Well, I guess your hands attach at this point, but you tell them that they cut your hand off. Look, they sewed it back on. Here's the stitches. While you're telling him this, Daddy walks up behind him and sticks a shovel right through his skull, cuts his head right in half. He falls on the ground. He's hacking him to death with his shovel, which leaves you a solid three and a half seconds to run around and find something to whack Daddy with. Well, you find car keys sitting on the the drawer there. You get in the car and drive your car right into daddy like seven times. He gets out or he gets up. The car like explodes and he turns into like a burnt crisp. But you somehow get away and he's like laying there on the ground. Hopefully dead, but he's not. So this was after or before he turned into like chainsawed paste? This is before that. Okay. Yeah.
0: So then how did you end up with him in that like spidery form that we just watched you beat? Um, what led up to that?
1: Cause... So you end up finding Mia again in the basement and then she's taken by the sun at this point. So, okay. so now I've not fought the sun yet but I've played some of his psycho games um, that he's kind of like led me on. And eventually you make your way back outside and then you walk onto this pier, you find this outhouse and that's where they're at. Both Zoe and Mia are tied up. Okay. And then the dad, you know, the crazy black spider that he is, um, like busts through and says, Zoe, get back to the house. I'll deal with you later. And he picks you up, throws you on the ground and you watch me fight the boss battle. Yeah. So he has all these, like, yellow eyes covered all over his body. So there's no explanation of why he turned into a spider thing. No, but this black nasty moss stuff that's kind of um, enveloping the house and it's it's covering up all of the, um, like, I guess, when you saw those nasty monsters that yeah. dropped from the ceiling, those used to be humans. They They're now diseased with this virus. Yeah, so conspiracy theory the
0: government in real life is not telling you black mold turns you into giant eyed spider
1: things Well, if you go to Louisiana, you'd find out the truth, Ryan I know. Maybe we should go there. We'll venture there next podcast <laughs> We'll come <laughs> back and we can't like podcast anymore because we've got spider arms. You know what? Screw it, Ryan. I'm going to um, spoil this right now.
0: Yeah, I was going to say we can either stop the podcast and discuss it offline or we can... <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: not doing that much editing so what I think is actually happening, spoiler alert for the next like few minutes to create the serum to reverse the virus. Cause Mia has the virus. You obviously want to save your wife. Yeah. You need to get all of the body parts, um, of, I don't know, Zoe instructs you to get a hand and a head. So you go and find them on the, like these mummified,
0: dude, there's an adorable husky out there.
1: Yeah. Cool. Okay, sorry. Hands and arms and legs. So you need to get these body parts to produce this serum. So you go upstairs at one point in the game into this child's room. And right when you walk in, this ball just bounces across the room. And you're just like, no, I'm not not doing this right now. And of course, you have your handgun and a flashlight. You walk around the corner and you see this teddy bear sitting on this rocking chair. The chair is rocking, Ryan, and there's no one in it, and no one's pushing it either. Ugh, and like was, every horror movie. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this right now. But I did it anyways. So I open up the door. I go into this next room, and I just hear this child's voice saying, you need to leave right now. And I'm like, I know, girl, but I got to progress the story. Yeah. So. I apologize for being here. Please let me leave. <laughs> I, I go into the next room, and I just enter this hallway. I see a ball in the middle of the hallway, and wait the hallway is at least 20 feet long. Yeah, It's like, oh my gosh, what's something going to happen? And that's the thing they did so, so well creating this game, the developers over at Capcom. Tip of the hat to you, because you never know when something's going to happen. You always think something could, but when it does is completely unpredictable. Nothing happens. You walk down the hallway, you open up the door, you see a bed sitting there, and then you see a dollhouse in the back corner. Yeah. You open up the dollhouse, nothing happens. Then you see this little crevice that you have to bend down and go into. And that's where there's this other shrine. So you walk in to this little shrine room. You rip the arm off of this mummified thing. And right as you turn around and you look down, you see the legs of this young little girl. And then they just scurry away and run off. And you're just like, oh my gosh. So you walk out. No girl, just some of those nasty um, venom-looking creatures that you have to fight off. Okay. Well, now that I've defeated uh, the dad as a spider, you get on a little raft. But before you do that, you're wait, given wait, wait, a choice. you ever
0: have to use that altar baby in the box?
1: Yeah, that created the serum. Oh, so it was that baby thing and then the Yeah, arm. so Zoe so used those parts to create two serums. Two needles worth of serum. And you use one for you, I'm guessing? No, I use one for Jack, the dad. I think his name's Jack. Oh, yeah. yeah. You when stabbed you him in yeah. the eye, okay. and then he turned into, like, dust. So yeah. he's officially gone, I hope. Then you get on the dock, and you're with Mia and Zoe. And you say, I only have one left. I only have one serum left. and And then nothing happens. The cutscene stops. But everything's in game on this. So, like cutscenes and real game, there's no sequence change. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like God of War. I literally have to make a choice here. And it says cure Mia or cure Zoe. I didn't want to know the ending, but I searched online. I'm like, what's the better way to go? Of course, you want to save your wife. But I was thinking, you know what? I bet if I save Zoe, she's going to be able to create another serum and then save Mia as well, get the best of both worlds. All I read online is that the better ending is when you save Mia. I'm like, all right, that's all I need to know. Stick this serum on my wife. Let's get out of here. Hop on the boat. You go a few ways down the swamp. always angry, obviously. Yeah, but she's like, I knew I was never going to get off out of this place alive. You get on this boat, and then you find this gargantuan monster boat, like kind of like the Titanic looking. Yeah. And you end up, something hits your boat. Ethan falls off. You wake up, and you're now playing as Mia. You walk a little bit ways forward, Ethan gets enveloped in this giant nasty venom nastiness and gets sucked away. So you're like, okay, I guess the rest of the game is me playing as Mia trying to save Ethan. Very fitting. Well, as you're walking through this boat, it kind of does this flashback to see how the boat used to be. And it was... I don't really know yet because I haven't had any... I haven't read enough notes around the boat to see what happened. But this boat was touring somewhere and... Jack and his family brought on this young girl who was kind of psycho. Well, the young girl looks an awful lot like Mia.
0: It sounds like that was it was actually her family. I think it is. Okay.
1: And so I'm not sure how like you she picked the wrong wife. Yeah. I'm not sure how she ever got away with them looked and seemed normal, but that's kind of where we're at. I'm Mia. I just found a gun with two bullets and I got to a safe room. Yeah, wow. I want to know how it ends. Well, so later today, Laura and I are going to take Scooby to the dog park, get him uh, kind of exhausted. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to come back here, probably order food. We're going to do some laundry because we have some catching up to do there. I want to watch more of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood because I only got through one episode this week. And what did you think? I like it a lot. It's good stuff. So- Because the opening is what? what? What do you know so far? Well, so Edward is kind of like recruited. He's like world-renowned known as the Full Metal Alchemist. Mm-hmm. And so you're recruited to go to this 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 place, this person wants to speak with you, and they say that there's there's some person that they want you to go after. And you know, it, it, there's a lot of humor interwoven into it, I appreciated, because the younger brother, Alphonse, is actually like a hulking, you know suit of iron giant. But he has like a child's voice. Yeah. And so everyone's makes fun of Edward that, that he is the older brother because he's bigger and you're smaller and he gets really pissed off and I don't know, it's kind of funny. But yeah. I like it so far The opening music is amazing Like right. that song is so good And you get to hear it for like six seasons And it's it.
0: Oh, it's so good I
1: can't wait So looking forward to watching more of that This is a female voice right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah and then I can li- hear it in my head right now It's good Let's just play some of this Ryan I mean you won't hear it But the listeners will Yeah
0: It's like Yeah I don't know what they're saying,
2: and I was singing Latin there, so. But yeah, not Japanese. <laughs>
1: Later, it gets even better.
2: It's intense. Hell yeah. Let's go. One more rep. Mmm. Dude, I just PR'd my bicep. Curl. <laughs> little ego
1: we look podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. Really good stuff. Looking forward to watching more. And then later tonight, I also wanted to uh, potentially finish Resident Evil 7 with Lauren by my side, watch me play through that craziness of a game.
0: Yeah, my plans for tonight are to have Ben over, and we're going to try to get through the second main boss of, or beat, basically, the DLC. Nice. Or Iceborne.
1: So that's Resident Evil 7. So, uh,
0: yeah, that was interesting.
1: Yeah, I will probably have more impressions and final thoughts next week when I finish it. But Ryan, did you know that listeners could actually write in on Instagram? Really? Yeah, so things have changed. You can follow me at AriLewis2011 where I post a query 24 hours before we record, asking you folks to ask us something. And then I also tell sh- to tell tell us to share something because the question that I posed was Tell us your favorite childhood cartoon, which I think it might have been something I've asked before. I can I think so. I can never remember. Yeah. I should probably have a bank of these that I can check off, but this isn't a professional podcast. Ryan, this is a mediocre one. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Travis, senior executive producer of the show. Been a while since we've heard from you. Hope everything's going well with kiddo number two on the way. He says his favorite childhood shows were Recess, Arthur, and Fillmore.
0: Okay, I've never heard of Fillmore.
1: I have not either, but Arthur was always a mainstay, and Recess was amazing. Now that you're dropping F-bombs on air, what's your favorite curse word or phrase, Ryan?
0: I I don't know. Probably shit.
1: Yeah, you say that a lot.
0: Because you, you can use it like, oh, shit. Or like you can, I don't know. Like the F-word's so, it's very situational. Yeah. It's more of something you place in for emphasis on things. But, like, I feel like shit is the casual fuck. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a sentence I don't think I'd ever utter. But, yeah, that... I, I Since Jon Snow was a thing, I think Bastard. Mm. I always hear that. Like, that's a fun one. But yeah. I, I, there's less use for it. Or, like, you can use ass in a fun way. But I think shit is the go-to. Okay. What about you?
1: For me, because I've been using it a lot when I was playing Resident Evil, just because some of the stuff that you see, some of the stuff that pops in your face so quickly that it's really unsettling, is just, fuck me, what even is this shit, is yeah. what I've been saying like a lot playing Resident Evil 7.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've been using the F-word a lot for some of these monsters on like Monster Hunter. Yeah. It's usually,
1: fuck off, fuck off, fuck
2: off,
0: because yeah. like, I'm some of their moves they can use like sound or like tremor yeah. so you're sitting there and like on the ground kind of crawling away as you're staggered and this monster is just looming over you and you're like dude if it attacks me once I'm dead yeah. and like you're online with people all over the world three other dudes and if you die three times depending on like the quest you lose you don't get anything oh no so like you these depending on the quest it could go from 20 to 30 Fifty minutes, mm. right? Depending on the monster, and if you lose, you're just like, we. I just let the team down, kind of thing. Yeah. And like during the Volcano fight last night, I, I there was maybe two times. I think I died once, but there were two times that I was so close to dying, and I was just like, God, just fuck off. <laughs> like I was just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And like I'm on mic with like Rick, Ben, and like I'm sure they're just laughing, friends, and they're just like. It must be a rough fight, Ryan. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's like we're having casual conversations, and we're all like playing Monster Hunter. Like some of us in different fights,
1: and it's just, and I randomly just
0: starts yelling and swearing. You
1: know what even been really funny is if while I've been playing Resident Evil Seven, if I was in a chat with you guys, just <laughs> this to, <is> you, <laughs> like seriously, it's
0: just like hey. <laughs> so you
1: know when Mary and Pippin were at the Black Gate when seemingly all hope was lost in Lord of the Rings, the return of the King. Yeah. And Merry and Pippin like lead the charge and they're just <laughs> running forward. like, ah! That's basically me. Every, every moment playing resident evil seven. Yeah. I could see that. So, all right, let's keep the questions going here. Uh, I'm curious what yours is, Travis, let us know. or all you guys like in gals, what is, yeah, fav- swear at us. What, what is your favorite curse phrase or word? Logan says A Thousand Ways to Die is one of his favorite childhood cartoons. doesn't really
0: seem very childlike. That sounds
1: very childworthy. Interesting. A friend from college, I don't think she listens to the show, said, Rugrats, Wild Thornberries, Hey Arnold, two Made in a Name, LOL. I agree. Those are three great Nickelodeon cartoons. Uh, I actually have the entirety of the Wild Thornberries and Hey Arnold series over there on the shelf. Good stuff. Chronolink91, Alec, says, Doug... I had a thing for Rugrats Harold, hey Arnold The Wild Thornberries But always found Doug To be funny Relatable And just overall Very enjoyable I agree Crono That's a that's a great show I would say uh, it, It's always like the, the, the bastard stepchild though It's never Speaking of Jon Snow Yeah It was never held In the same pedigree As shows like Hey Arnold And Rocket Power And The Rugrats No But it definitely Is well deserving Of that attention It was a really great show uh, Porkchop The little dog Great little guy Or the uh, lamb. Yes. Lamb puppet. That was the... Pork uh, chop. Well, lamb was the cat. I thought his name was Pork Chop. I'm kidding. As the lamb. I'm kidding. Forget it. The joke's over. The cat was cat. Frantic Josh. Frantic thoughts. Check out his solo podcast. A one-man podcast. It's really good stuff. Frantic thoughts. Okay. Look it out on Apple Podcasts. Lauren just found something. Oh, her Batman painting. Oh, cool. You can hang that up. Or we we talked about. Gosh, you just sent me like seven text messages. Um, I said I was gonna do a picture every episode. Maybe I'll throw Lauren's Batman painting on. Yeah, it's a really good, it's uh, a good one for episode fifty-eight. So check that out on the Discord incentive to get on there. I just realized folks. you had
0: uh, Apple headphones. I,
1: I remember you mentioning Apple headphones on.
0: What did, what happened to your other thing? So
1: I this has happened twice. So I have Bose noise canceling headphones, but not not um cordless or wireless. So the wire that I have connecting the headphone to the jack that whatever the device I'm listening to through, <clears throat> um, it uh, it broke. Oh. So there's this thing on it similar to the Apple headphones here where you can click to increase the volume. Mm-hmm. Well, this thing got snapped off somehow. So it's literally just the wires that you're seeing. Oh. And Scoob like ran past me last night, ripped the headphones out, knocked my core's light right onto the the um, the carpet. Uh, and the headphones um, we're done. Broke. Okay. The worst part of that situation was losing my beer, Ryan. <laughs> but um, it's like a $14 replacement on Amazon okay. to get the cord. I just That's an it. expensive beer. It is. Yeah. What the heck? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Frantic Josh has a few things here. His favorite childhood cartoons include Hey Arnold, Recess, and Tiny Toons. Love them cartoons. He said, if you mixed... Oh, he goes on. If you mixed three cereals together to make a super cereal... Which three would you mix, Ryan? Hmm Probably Reese's Puffs. Oh, you're already starting off really sugary. Chocolate puffs. Oh gross.
0: And the like the little fizzly chocolate like what's the flintstone, the color one? Okay, ones?
1: so you want cocoa pebbles. Pebbles. Cocoa puffs and Reese's puffs. Well cereal. you gotta think
0: the residual milk would be just delicious.
1: Yeah, but getting through that sea of crunch would be rough. (laughs) Well, I mean, most cereals, they're known for being crunchy. Yeah, um, I think I would need Rice Krispies Treats. Not the the regular Rice Krispies, though I do like those. There's literally Rice Krispies Treats cereal, so you have chunks of Rice Krispies clumped together with sugar. Okay. Add some Fruity Pebbles— but have a nice layer of life cereal underneath. Those, that. See, I did similar
0: tastes because they would mix well. I was, I love fruity pebbles, but that rainbow would only like you could mix maybe those rainbow pebbles. I don't know. There, it's a very overpowering taste for ev- other cereals. So maybe that with like lucky charms because okay. it has a similar like the cereal itself is bland, but you got some marshmallows. So like. The fruity pebbles would overpower the pebbles of the cap, or all these cereals of the uh, Lucky Charms. Mm-hmm. And then you have to do something somewhat neutral, but could also like add flavor to it
1: Rice Krispies, regular. Yeah.
0: So, like, you'd still get the pebbles, and you got two neutral cereals that are kind of just like
1: white bread cereals. Okay. Plus the marshmallow as like an added bonus. I like it. Yeah. That's the story. We're sticking to it, Josh. Uh, let's see here.
0: Because, like, if you were to mix, like, not to ramble on, but, like, Fruity Pebbles, Chocolate Pebbles, and, like, I don't know, Apple Jacks, Ugh. it would be just a garbage of, like, just a cluster of crappy tastes. I think that was
1: on Fear Factor, that concoction once.
0: Yeah, right after Goat Semen. <laughs> oh,
1: <bro>. Okay. <laughs> Where do you pull this shit? Well, the
0: last episode that it got canceled on, it was girls drinking... Donkey semen and donkey piss. And that's why it got canceled.
1: Are you serious? Yeah.
0: And they said to get it all, they shoved a taser up the donkey's butt and just turned it on.
1: That's sick. Because the male G-spot's in your ass. Wow. You're welcome for that information, listeners. I say it every episode, folks. This is an educational program. All right, next question. If you opened up... (laughs) You're like
0: speechless.
1: Well, I think I'm editing that out of the podcast. Are you really? Yeah. Okay. If you opened a theme restaurant, what would the theme be, Ryan? And what would you serve?
0: Theme restaurant? I don't know. Hmm. Probably like a, a cafe similar to GameStop, except not going bankrupt.
1: Yeah. I think I'd have kind of a mom and pop video game shop where I'd have some CRT TVs hooked up with some N64s, Super Nintendos. Got to throw a GameCube in there, too. Maybe an original Xbox to get some LAN parties going. Mm -hmm. Some old-school Halo days.
0: Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. I mean, they have, like, creepier, uh, like, Lauren went to, like, a maid cafe in Japan. And, like, that kind of stuff is kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, I think a game cafe would be fun. And chill.
1: Yeah, so... Similar to that, um... 16-bit. Yeah. So I think what I would serve would be very similar from a drink perspective to there. They have cocktails kind of modeled after celebrities or TV shows and just pop culture references. And so I think I would do something very similar but model them after video game characters, video games, maybe even genres. So like an RPG cocktail would have... I don't even know, but I'd have to think about this.
0: Yeah, that and like milkshakes. I, can't, I think you can't go wrong with milkshakes.
1: That's right. You cannot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would love a mil- milkshake. sounds so good right now.
1: Well, they bring all the boys to the yard, Ryan. So. Especially ours. <laughs> <laughs> if Steven Universe was around when I was a kid, that would be my choice. The kid in me agrees. Steven Universe. I've never seen that show.
0: I've never heard of that show.
1: Yeah, I don't really know what I'd compare it to because again I haven't seen it. Um Steven Universe. There's six seasons, maybe? So Google's telling me. It's a lot of seasons for something we haven't heard of. Cartoon Network Show. Has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Hundred and sixty episodes to catch up on, Ryan. Interesting stuff. I've never even seen uh I've seen seen and heard of it. it. I've just never watched it.
0: Um, Wow, it is 100%. So,
1: good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for writing in. Again, if you want to write into the Instagrams, I post that query every Friday. um, Ari Lewis 2011. But Ryan, we also got a couple Gmail questions. Yeah, we did. So, we got one from senior executive producer of the show, Mm -hmm. and then we also got one from Nick. Nick Knack Paddywhack, give a dog a bone. He writes in a lot. He has been frequently, I should say. So, Nick, thank you so much. But Travis's email got in first. He wrote in on Wednesday, October 2nd, 11 in the morning. The subject header, Ryan, is let's get personal. Okay. Hey there. Life is getting busy. At the time you're reading this, it will be T-minus four weeks until the arrival of baby number two. It's been a whirlwind. A few gaming-related things, and then I have a handful of some fairly deep questions for you this week. Link's Awakening, maybe it's because I'm odd enough to have played the original, my Zelda game technically, albeit a demo on a Game Boy Color in Walmart, but I'm not a fan of the re-release. It's charming as hell, I'll give it that, but Nintendo really just pulled a Disney. They knew they could just put an old game, they could just give an, uh, an old game a facelift and capitalize on nostalgia. I've seen and played, a f- uh, I've seen and played far, far better remakes, a Link Between Worlds, while Called a Sequel is technically a really good remake of A Link to the Past, and Sonic Mania adds new levels, new levels plus completely revamped classic levels, and even new takes on bosses. For Nintendo to take this opportunity to really reinvent one of the OG Zelda classics, and then just slap new paint on it, it's a total Disney style cash grab. I expected a lot more, and I certainly don't think it's worth the $60. Interesting take on it. Wow. I um I mean, now that you say that, it, it kind of makes sense, but um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, Nintendo's done a number of fair, their fair share of remakes with Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Samus Returns, the Game Boy Color game on 3DS, and I didn't play that, so I'm not sure if this is just in the midst of not being able to, like, this is just to tie us over, satiate our appetite for. Breath of the Wild 2, Metroid Prime 4. I don't know.
0: I mean it would be more of a cash grab to re-release the old systems for you to have to then buy retro copies of the games, revamping the graphics and putting it on a new system that a lot of people have, I think, for 60 bucks opposed to buying like a old whatever console it was on. I think to it's his less- point,
1: I, I agree with the $60 price point. Should have been probably priced at 40 um, I think it's great that a new generation of people can play this game on a handheld device, just as potentially their parents did back in the '90s when it was released. Um, I don't know. I think there's something really special about, and they did the same thing with Samus Returns because that was originally a Game Boy game and it was remade for the 3DS. So Nintendo, be Nintendo. These these companies need to make money. It's I, definitely not the best business practices. I agree, Travis, but. um, what are you gonna do i guess is all i yeah, can say
0: movies needed though come up with their own ideas there needs to be more Instead originality in hollywood yes revamping old franchising and botching shit and then
1: just live actioning disney movies. the entirety of their their catalog i agree with that entirely
0: though hansel and gretel not a disney movie looked good
1: yes we saw the trailer for that when we saw joker that looks rather disturbing untitled goose game this right here this is the game everyone should be playing instead. A delightfully absurd indie game where you play as an asshole goose with a literal to-do list of ways to fuck with people. It's a mix of stealth and then outrageous chaos when the task demands it. Honking just as someone's someone is about to drink their tea, sneakily tying a kid's shoelaces together, then chasing him so he trips and his glasses fall off so you can steal them. So much fun. Original, simple, it only takes a handful of hours to beat the main story, but then you unlock a big list of additional tasks. Goose for Smash Ultimate.
0: Yeah. I like they it. They actually talked about that on, I think, NPR. And it was just a couple Australian guys got together, and they don't really have geese. So then they're, like, talking to people, and they're just like, yeah, let's just do this and wing it. We didn't expect it to be successful, and then just
1: it's such a niche that it becomes a cult following. Yeah, I mean, It's like was,
0: freaking Flappy Bird.
1: Yeah, explored the internet. Well, hopefully this has more of a...
0: Longevity before they delete
1: it. Yeah, and then they're selling you know switch devices for nine hundred dollars on eBay because they have Goose Game downloaded on it. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, it's question time. Number one, what's something you've done that brings you a lot of personal pride, but you li- rarely get to brag about it? Um, let's see. I li- I'm listed out a
0: few. Um, so when we went to Disney World. We went to Lego World and I freaking love Legos and I'm, I'm relatively creative and like as a little kid, I mean this was back in, it was right after 9-11 mm. that we went to Disney World. So...
1: Is it rough traveling or did you guys drive? No,
0: it was really nice because no one wanted to travel. Oh, okay. Because they were afraid. No one was in Disney World because they also didn't want to travel because <laughs> they didn't know if getting on a plane was bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what 2001 so i would be nine Mm -hmm. so yeah pretty young and like everyone was just putting wheels on things and like making little vehicles and i made this decked out spaceship like it looked like because it has you have that cockpit in the front and then you have the back and then you have the wings and it probably could have been a set like based on color wise they didn't have all the colors cohesive Mm -hmm. but as far as like the structure of it it could have been like similar to one of those sets that you would get (laughs) because they had like unlimited legos so i was Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna build something cool and then they had this little ramp that would go down and then it would just go fast down like a ramp kind of like a um in boy scouts when you make your uh boxwood derby cars or whatever they were yeah yeah so i would go i would let my thing go and it goes super fast and hit the wall and then i'd like do it again very simple, but like you got to build stuff and it was a lot of fun. And these weak ass noobs of kids oh, gosh. with their parents would make these like little vehicles and like at the bottom I mean there's a lot of kids racing these vehicles, they'd let their cars go down and like mine built by what would like engineers would see mm-hmm. would hit their vehicles with the pointed nose of like a cockpit. And their vehicles would just explode, oh. and like I had parents like like coming up to me like you shouldn't build something like that. I was like, what? Something that looks good? <laughs> yeah. Like insulting their character? And like it was so well built, and I was so proud. There was actually like my mom has a picture of it, but it it was so well built, and I was really proud of it. Ryan, a savage since the ripe age of nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then let's see. <clears throat> Back in college, I was elected to be the president of the supply chain organization. Nice. Which I I, I see as... I was elected by my peers, so I was pretty proud of that. You should be. And then 99 Smithing. Oh, Obviously, to follow that up. Yeah. (laughs) And my shiny collection. And then probably work stuff. Like, I I do a good job at work. No, I think... Lord and and I... Yeah. We... We underestimate what we can do, which is not good, but like... And the end of the day, we do a good job. So you do, yeah, work stuff. But
1: more importantly, oh gosh, ninety-nine Smith thing in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, you know, certainly, I think the biggest thing that I've achieved in my life, if you will, was getting the the CPA. Yeah. Sort of. So if you don't know what that means, it's a certified public accounting or accountant. It's it's a license that you get um, to practice public accounting. And my first. My first um, job was working for a big four accounting firm, and I was kind of in their IT audit space. And I worked there for two years, and it was brutal. I mean, it was churn and burn type environment during busy season, which is typically from like September to February timeframe. We're working weekends. We're working until two o'clock in the morning at the office, crazy stuff. Well, in the midst of that, I was studying, still studying for my last exam. Yeah. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast. Back in sixth grade, I failed a social studies exam. I had to have my mom sign it, which was humiliating for yeah. me. And from that moment on, I kind of promised myself that I was going to apply myself academically and study and just do well in school. Well, I just don't do well. I mean, it goes to say, you know, you're pulling all these names out of your ass from Monster Hunter because you can remember all that shit. I can't remember stuff well. And it's why, like, when I play video games and someone's like, Oh, what did you think of Uncharted Three when you played like you know five years ago? It was great. I have no idea what happened. I don't remember. Like I just stuff just like falls out of my mind. You know, I just I don't yeah. have that type of long term detailed memory. And so as that relates to academics, I was never good at going to class and then just showing up for exams <laughs> and getting A's. Like a lot of my no, friends. No, I
0: feel that for sure.
1: And so when I studied, I'd have to study. And when I wrote papers, I wrote. Papers Like I really committed myself to, to the point where it honestly bled into my social life with my friends. Like I oftentimes didn't hang out with them because I was so obsessed with grades because I was so fearful of failing, you know, like I did in sixth grade. So flash forward to studying for the CPA exam, I had friends that I wouldn't say they were studying casually, but they weren't like grinding like I was. Yeah. And they were getting like 95s, 94s, eighty six. And the cutoff for the CPA exam, you take four exams, and you have to get a 75 on each one of them, bare minimum, to pass. So you go into these testing facilities, and you sit at this computer with these noise-canceling headphones for four hours taking these exams. It's It's, computerized ACT. Yeah, it's grueling. And you have these thick books that you study. You watch all of these online um, uh, videos of people Mm -hmm. kind of educating you on the lectures. Thank you. Um, and then you go back and you do all of these multiple choice questions. So you have 18 months to pass all four exams before the exams will start falling off. So if you pass three and then you get to the 19th month, the first exam you passed lops off and you have to take that exam again. Well, I got to a point where I was studying for my final fourth and final exam, one I'd already previously failed once, and I was taking the exam on like March 2nd and my other exam was going to expire on like the like March 31st and results were on March like 20th mm-hmm. like just before my birthday
0: yeah it was all or nothing
1: it was really all or nothing and i told lauren if if i fail this i'm done i'm not going to retake it i'm giving up and i'm going to get my cisa which is certified i think information systems exam yeah because this is taking a serious toll on me mentally emotionally like I was reverting back to old habits as it related to my eating. Like I just was not doing well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was you or uh, Bridget's sister who was like, you think you want to run into a tree.
1: Yeah, no, so I had a friend that he told me, he's like, Rusty, I'm warning you now when you take this exam, you start having pretty bad thoughts. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, when I would leave my school and go east to visit my family, I'd literally consider driving into a tree because that would be better than going back to my studies. And I'm like, dude, come on. I don't think it's going to get that bad. <laughs> but I'd be at the client that I was on until like 1 or 2 in the morning. And I'd be driving home. And I'd be thinking, you know, I'd be going 75, listening to some Nirvana or whatever. And I'd be thinking like, you know what? What would happen if I drove headlong into that median? Would my car explode? Would I crunch up like a tin can? Would I flip over? I have no idea, but it would have been better than studying. Yeah. You know, I had those thoughts. It was so bad. So. I remember the night we were in our old apartment. I was sitting there with Lauren and I followed the account that said, Hey, the results go live at this time. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. I got this. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Just calm down, Rusty. I'm sitting there and it it's like 8 PM Eastern standard time. Results go live. I'm like, okay, okay. I got this. 8 PM hits. I'm signing in. My password fails, wrong password, incorrect username. I'm like, no, that's it. Sign again. Doesn't work. Forgot your password. Reset it. I'm like, okay, shit. So I reset it. Sends me an email. I get the new password. We're all set. I sign in. Like the server's down. It's shut down because people are all signing in at the same time. Like, oh my gosh! Just I just want to know. I just want to know if I passed.
0: It's torturing you.
1: I told Lauren. I'm like, Lauren, go in the other room. I can't. I can't handle the pressure right now. Just go in the other room. She's like, okay. So finally, I sign in, and I know the number is going to be right in the left, and I'm like, just be more than seventy five because if not, I'm chucking my computer at the wall. Dude, I would break down in tears.
0: I would. I would just be. Like, I would have hard cry. I
1: would have. So I probably would have. If I failed, I would have walked out to my car, and I probably would have just cried because I wouldn't have wanted Lauren to hear me. Yeah. And so I sign in the loading screen. You know that. Horrible little circle bubble that's loading. I just want the dashboard to load. I want to see the number. You're like,
0: everything in this situation is just screw with you.
1: So, the screen populates, and it was like a beam of light started shining down. A dove perched on my shoulder, shit on me, flew away, and then I saw the 76. And I... Was like freaking the heck out. And I was like, fuck yes! I was like screaming and yelling. I'm like, Lauren, get in the car. We're going to T-Bell right now. I'm getting a Crunchwrap Supreme. Because this is right after we introduced you to uh, T-Bell. Oh, yeah. So I was still like salivating at the mouth to get back yeah. there. Man, I ate that Crunchwrap Supreme with so much pride and joy. Sucking down Co- a Coors Light. It was like quite literally the best night of my life. It almost top sex for me. It was like serious stuff.
0: Yeah. I could see that.
1: Yeah, so passing the CPA exam—that's probably my pride and joy. Close second would be getting the platinum trophy in ukulele. Very nice. <laughs> are you gonna platinum the next one? I'm gonna try to. Speaking of the Impossible, Did they come out uh, October 8th on Tuesday. Oh shit! Yeah, so the Impossible Layer reviews are live. It has an 8300 on uh, Metacritic. Dude, I'm so pumped. Yeah, that'll be a good time. So, next question from Travis. Should we pause. Yeah, we can pause. Cool. We'll be back. Don't even worry about it, folks. All right. Ryan needed to pee, but we're back.
0: Whoa, just out me right there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you said, can we take a break? What else would you need a break for? Emotional support well, from my co-host, but you just <laughs> fuck that up. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Travis. Goes, Ryan
0: has to pee because he drinks water like a human.
1: Yeah, well, Travis goes on. <laughs> Question number two. What's the rudest thing, Ryan, that you routinely do? Cut off people in traffic, make fun of coworkers, fart at the table, etc. See,
0: I don't do too many rude things out in public. I'm an asshole to myself in the like my apartment. Let's explore this. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like at my apartment, I mean like I the rudest thing I really do is like I leave the seat up for myself because it's more convenient. That's true. Which is a habit that I will eventually have to get out of, but, mm-hmm. or like I like chewing a lot of gum. Okay. And like Instead of like one or two pieces, I have like six. So you have like this big thing of gum and you don't always chew with your mouth open. Yeah. But that's only around my apartment. It's a pet peeve of Lauren's. It is. Yeah. And like a lot of people. Oh, yeah. So, because you feel like your cow. But yeah. I, some days you just want to feel like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> just, just milk me. <laughs> uh, okay. So, let's see. Lift up your shirt. <laughs> just subtly under breath. Lift up your shirt. Yeah. Um, and then I mean another one is uh, this is more out of the apartment. I, I think swearing could be seen as a a rude thing to do, depending on what. But I, I have bosses who swear. Like I've had bosses who swear. Yeah. So like know your audience. Own. Know your yeah. audience.
1: You know it's important. I think for me it has to be related to driving because I'm I'm a very cautious. Yeah. I don't know if defensive is the right word, but if the car, three cars in front of me is pumping their brakes and I see the lights, I'm pumping my brakes. Yeah. And you, I drove you to the airport. You saw my commute every day. It's a nightmare.
0: No, I'm very much the same way.
1: And so – but then there's other people that think they're like in a NASCAR race and they have to – some people must just love their jobs. Like, I, I listen, I enjoy what I do, but some people are like can't wait to get to work. Because they're driving a million miles an hour. But what I'll do is if someone's behind me and they're riding my ass and the car, three cars above me or in front of me is pumping their brakes, I'll pump my brakes and leave like two car lengths in front of me to just to piss them off so that they'll go around me. Yeah. It's like I'm on the lane furthest to the right. The Eagles wrote the song Life in the Fast Lane for a reason <laughs> for people like that. Yeah. So go around me and go as fast as you freaking want. Yeah, I think they're the ones being rude. They are. right. You're being
0: the proactive, like, hey, even two car lengths in front of me, the reaction time going that speed, you will go into the other car. Yeah. Like, they're just being reckless. And
1: I've even had people have to ru- uh, like cut off to the right into like a lane that's not even a lane yeah. because they're riding my butt too much. They're not paying attention. And even though I still have two car lengths ahead of me, they weren't paying attention enough, so they had to go to the right yeah to avoid hitting me and at that point they'd be in the wrong and they'd be paying out
0: no i have uh like people i'm in the fast lane and there's like vehicles and they think they can go in the left lane or the right lane run around me and get in front of me Mm -hmm. as like vehicles are approaching and because i'm somewhat passive-aggressive on my way to work i mean like i'm a defensive driver but like if you're going to be an asshole two can play at that game i'm not gonna put my life in danger but if you're gonna fuck around like that yeah so i'm just like i and like there's not anyone for distance behind me so like he comes up in the right lane think he can run around i speed up a bit and i just sit a little bit behind the car so he just he has to eventually get back behind me yep and follow me to get around that car yeah i've done that before it's like and i've made eye contact i'm like fuck off
1: yeah it's like <laughs> like what just don't be a dick i wish i had the the superpower to hear other people's conversations in their car yeah. not to eavesdrop but just to see their reactions and what they're saying when i when i do those types of things yeah. uh, like
0: i talk probably because of my job like going zero to 100 because we have to be mm-hmm. um but like people I, I talk to other drivers as i'm going like especially roundabouts and things yeah, like fuck off! Don't do that! Don't go! Yeah, because like people are idiots driving, especially roundabouts, because no one
1: understands in America how it works. That's very true. That's very true. All right, Ryan. His third question is: What's the biggest lie you dropped without ever getting caught? And are you still riding that wave and can't out yourself? What? And then maybe a second question here: What's the dumbest lie you ever told that ended ended in you being caught?
0: Biggest lie. You know when people ask you how you're doing and you say, okay?
1: Yeah, it's like why we're doing hyper- hypotheticals because we hate small that's talk.
0: That's the biggest lie, that I'm okay.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you're rude to yourself in your apartment. You're really not okay, Ryan. Yeah. You're wearing skinny pants. Something <laughs> is not right right now.
0: Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, like, that's just a day-to-day thing. Like, we disregard what's going on outside of everything but like the status quo or the expected responses? yeah I'm good how are you like it's or like hey how's it
1: going or good
0: like, good morning or like it's not even a uh, actual
1: question anymore it's almost like a nervous tick like some people don't even leave allow you to think... finish your sentence it's just good yeah you it's like, are, are we robots? Like, can we actually have a conversation? Yeah. And I understand when we're at work, if it's before a meeting, the meeting starts in two minutes, you don't have the time to talk about Nerd Gigante and all this other bullshit that you're playing.
0: Hey, man, how's it going? Good, Nerd Gigante. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, you don't. Tell, you're not going to be like, yeah. So I'm going through this rough thing outside of work, and like, they're like, dude, just. I don't want to hear this. Like, I'm. It was it's a formality. Like, it's, a, it's a formality. Like passing people in the hallway, and we made eye contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: that I don't think society is ever really gonna get out of that. Not you in know? America. Yeah.
0: No. Um, let's see. There was one time I snuck. I didn't really sneak out. I I had Matt help me with a lie that I was like, "Hey, man, if anyone asks, I'm with you right now." And I went out and hung out with this girl, and like. I told my parents that I was hanging out with Matt, and I wasn't. Was this that story? Yes, that was this story. I've done that on multiple occasions with Matt. Yeah. Yeah. So there. That's a
1: good story, but not one for the podcast, even
0: with the explicit tag. That is not something that I will ever tell in this podcast. That's right. Um, <clears throat> and then telling a specific family member I love them. That's a lie I've told.
1: Yes, and I know that person, and I, <laughs> yeah. I And we'll have to see that. Person and I married this week. her. <laughs> Question number three. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I do know who you're, who you're talking about. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, you're supposed to care about your family, but, like, some people are assholes, and some people don't deserve love, or to be with people, or to be alive.
1: Wow, <laughs> that escalated very quickly.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, there's always that crazy relative. There is. Every and, family's
1: got one, or many.
0: Yeah. Just keep positive people in your lives.
1: That's that's right. I think for me, um, and I don't think I talked about this on the podcast before, but last summer, Lauren, I went to Colorado, and that was kind of my way to recharge and figure out, do I want to stay with Big Four Public Accounting, or do I want to leave? I mean, I already knew the answer. Yeah. It wasn't a matter if, it was when. But Colorado was a nice chance for Lauren and I to just relax, recharge, reflect, and I was like, yep, I'm out of there. Mm-hmm. So I went back, and I started interviewing with places. And I interviewed with this one company and I went in and I was interrogated by like five different auditors, you know, at various levels, like, you know, staff members, managers, directors, things like that. And I walked out of there and I was like, this is it. This is the best job for me. I got to take it. So I go home and I tell Lauren this and I had one other interview scheduled for Thursday of that week. I think this was on a Tuesday. And I was like, Lauren, I think I'm canceling the interview. I got I got to take this job. And she was like, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? No. And she had me walk through, why is this your ideal job? And so I explained it to her. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Rusty, you've just explained every attribute about your current role. You're going to be miserable if you stay there.
0: Lauren's the voice of reason in that (laughs) She is.
1: She's like, humor me. Go to this interview and just see what happens. I was like, okay. So I go to this interview. Don't read the job description. I just knew that it was a staff auditor IT role. And I go in and I'm talking to this guy who's my now boss. And we're having this great conversation. He talks to me for 10 minutes. He kind of quizzes me about like what's a control, what's a risk, just general audit lingo, 101 type stuff. And I I give him the general audit response definition. Yeah. And then he shoves his paper aside. He's like, all right, now we can just have a conversation. And so we talk, we proceed to talk for like 20 more minutes. And towards the end, he asked if I had any questions for him. And at this point, I'm like, all right, I already done screwed up because I should have prepared for this because he specifically asked me, based on the job description, what do you think this role entails? Pulled something out of my ass, must have hit somewhere around the bullseye because yeah, he was okay with it. But then I asked him, what's the ideal quality that you look in you know, your ideal candidate? Which
0: – for the audience if you go into an interview that's a really good question to ask
1: you should you should ask like what is an ideal quality and you probably should ask it in the beginning and then tailor your responses to that as long as you're being honest yeah
0: because if they're asking do you have any questions you better have at least like three or four Queued or up. have listened to their thing and tailor your questions to that like
1: oh yeah so you said something in the beginning of the interview to let
0: you know that you're actively listening to them yeah like my question i had for them when i interviewed for my current job was they had been talking about like they had mentioned they'd been there a while and i said having been at here a while you've obviously seen stuff that you think needs improvement and you almost switched the tables on them not to be in like a confrontational way but like to understand their thought process and like what needs work Mm -hmm. to help understand your work environment and what they how they think you said so seeing you've worked here a long time what do you See that needs improvement and how are you how is whatever company is addressing this mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah yeah and they're like say turnover is a problem like it is in most industries now at three percent unemployment you're like how are you coping with this how do you guys entice your employees to stay and like that kind of stuff they're like oh shit that's a serious question yeah besides like the friendly ones of like what's the culture and all that yeah
1: Tune in at six o'clock for more interviewing tips with Rusty and Ryan. Yeah, but anyway, so I I asked him this question, and um, without really skipping a beat, he said humility, Mm -hmm. and that's something that one I think should be foundational in any corporate culture. Yes, because if not, tone of the top down. If arrogance is, you know, your director, whoever is that leading a particular group, that'll trickle down among the office, Mm -hmm. and it certainly did in my public accounting life. And that was something I just couldn't stand because where I'm currently at now, the chief audit executive on the floor, I can walk into his office, he'll ask me, hey, Rusty, what's going on? Can I have a quick 15-minute conversation? Sure, sit down. If I went and talked to the partner of the firm managing our city uh, for IT, he would have no idea who I am, zero. And listen, I don't need to go to the, the CEO of my company, he needs to know who I am, but just having that sense of... um. I'm not even really sure what the right word would be, but familiarity with the people that you're working with, the people that are delivering work for that for the team that you're managing, I think is important. And so uh, a project manager, a consultant came in who's one level below Steve, my boss. <clears throat> he comes in, one of the most mild mannered, calming guys, has just has a real calming presence. So we're having a conversation, and he says, Tell me a little bit about yourself. Of course I went on for like five or six minutes. Yeah. And then he was like wow, that's um, pretty much covered every question I had. Um, And so we talked for a few more minutes. I asked about his background and everything like that. And he worked at Chase for like 18 years and stuff like that. Very much the same with me. My previous employer was just a nightmare. And he wanted something much more um, grounded. And so he came to where I am now. But I asked him the same question and they didn't have any chance to, like as Steve left, Paul walked in. So it wasn't like they had a chance to talk. Yeah. So I asked Paul, and I'm like, well, what's, what's one of the qualities that you look for in an ideal candidate? And humility was what he also said. And if if two leading people say that, that are managing other people, yeah. I was like, this is it. This is the job, you know? And it is. It was the best decision I ever could have made from a career perspective. Yeah, no kidding. But going back to Travis's question, I lied because my boss <laughs> dead cold asked me, Based on the job description, what do you think this this job means? What does this entail? What are you going to be doing? I literally didn't read the job description. Yeah. So, um haven't told Steve yet about that, but uh Don't,
0: yeah, it's not something you bring up ever. Yeah. Um yeah. But then yeah. well like even the at the college that we went to, the leader of our business college, mm-hmm. he used to be a CEO at a company of like 700 And he said, like, we, because I was part of that board of, like, all the business colleges. And we'd sit down and he said, basically, in my old company, I knew all 700 employees' names. Wow. From the warehouse to my directors, I knew every employee's name. That's amazing. And, like, at the business college, like, even him coming up to that upstairs area. The hub, yeah. The hub, he knew pretty much, because he addressed it the same way, Mm -hmm. or, like, his approach was, yeah, we might not be in this, like... I mean, there's a lot of people out there. But, like, to know every student mm-hmm. and them filtering out and everything, like, what they're doing, that's very humbling. It's yeah, it's, it it's a really good approach. I, don't, I can't remember names. Luckily, at my place of work, we have name tags on our shirts. But, like, that's such a cool trait. Or, like, even ending a conversation with, like, like when you reiterate someone's name in like, yeah, so like Rusty, I was saying this, or like, yeah, Rusty, that's such a good idea, blah, blah, blah. Like saying their name, people like hearing their names, mm-hmm. like psychologically. Yeah. So like repeating that or like, hey, see, see you, Rusty, thanks for your time. Mm-hmm. Or just like, hey, thanks for your time. Like it's, it's very much more personal, especially like interviews and things.
1: Yep. Yep, so that's that was the one that I'm still writing out. The one that was, found out was when I was about probably about five I stole a Gatorade from Kroger Mm -hmm. and then when I got in the car I showed it to my dad and he knew that that was not on the receipt that he just got from the the cash register excuse me and so we took it back in and gave it back to the counter because I didn't open it and they just said hey he took this he didn't drink anything yeah and they took me in the back and slapped me in the face like seven times (laughs) yeah they tied me to a chair and electrocrated my sack (laughs) (laughs) Um, question number four, Ryan. Yep. (laughs) And finally, perhaps the deepest, most personal question here. Strap yourselves in, folks. If every living thing in the world was exactly the same size, which would reign supreme? Nothing extinct or imaginary. Ryan, I think we both can agree that Keanu Reeves is the embodiment of not only the matrix system, but also the metric system and everything should be the same size and look like our God. Keanu Reeves. My God, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. But yeah. realistically speaking. <laughs> it depends on the day. I mean, if it's the Keanu Reeves Sabbath of Friday. <laughs> what do you think, though? This is such a strange question. Keanu Reeves. Okay, are we just going to stick to that? I mean, can we really think of a better answer? Well, like,
0: I, I guess I was... I don't know confused is the right word. I just ain't a retentive, I guess. I didn't know if it was like the height of a human or the volume that humans take up, which is getting way too intense for this question.
1: Damn you, Travis, for not being specific. <laughs> yeah, we want a specific
0: volume. Um, no, like so. Oh, crap, I just went off. So I was thinking beetles are like for their size are the strongest um creatures on the earth. Okay. Right? Like a dung beetle. Yeah. They can it's like thousands of times their weight. Um so if they were scaled up to humans, they'd be lifting freaking buildings, right? Which would be terrifying. Um I mean, you'd think like a tiger would get a downgrade. Elephants would get a downgrade in their like power. Anything big, like giraffes. Mhm. Um trees i think giant bacteria would be terrifying but they couldn't like penetrate anything to do their job
1: so for the safety of everyone involved you think that we should be the size of beetles
0: no i think beetles would be the strongest being them the size of us because that was a question oh like so so if there's a beetle the size of a human that or like a water bear have you ever heard of water bears no look google water bears
1: well can you just imagine though um so water like spiders walking around that are our size no i know it's terrifying waltzes into our apartment like a million leg or centipede thing
0: yeah I, i'm not cool with that like the
1: same size as scooby are you kidding me well you think like a, a beetle
0: would have like metal plated armor i might be
1: playing monster hunter too much water bears on the moon what the fuck is that oh my gosh no I'm, i have to get off the screen that is disturbing so as water all
0: bears are like extre- extremophiles that, like, live in these very harsh conditions. Like, they live in, like, searing acidic pools and, like, that kind of stuff. But they're, like, little tiny bears. But if... And they're, like, really, really tiny. Ew,
1: they look like parasites with nasty faces. Yeah,
0: but they look adorable. No!
1: <laughs> so, if water bears were the same size as us... They would suck all of us dry. They'd eat us and spit yeah, out our bones. Yeah, but I
0: think at the end of the day, with, like, being vastly more intelligent than anything alive with Mm -hmm. like having the ability to understand that we exist I think humans eventually would murder everything I think we'd be the most powerful creature well I think it it would with using technology but like as far as like just animals without like hey we were able to create guns with our superior intellect well guns would be the size of people too they're not a living creature. They're alive. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely can't say that. All right, so um, yeah, no, I think probably humans. If we could use our intellect to like create tools and things, but like as far as animals, water bears. I'm sticking with water bears. Or oh, okay, Keanu Reeves is my animal. <laughs> okay.
1: If I had a Patronus, it would yeah. be Keanu Reeves. <laughs> 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 Screw a stag. Um, and then he says, "Catch you later, Travis." Thank you so much, Travis. I think we literally—you just caused us to go. I think it's like 40 minutes of our podcast is just your questions. We devoted yeah. 10 minutes to each. You are the senior executive producer. You're welcome. Actually, no, we should be thanking you. So, thank you for the questions. Yes, thank you. Um, so Ryan, we are at two hours. So more questions in 20 minutes. No yes Nick Soriano thank you so much way to be an asshole yeah I'm sorry because
0: he got him in or we went with Travis because he got him in first
1: that's right this is a two man show I'm glad you you, uh, I won't forget you guys you're right in Uh, Nick Soriano says Nick Knack here and man as a person who was born in the 90s it's extremely hard to answer a question like that because there were so many shows and channels to watch them and he's speaking to the Instagram question about your favorite favorite childhood shows because of that, he says I need to list too many. Like we had Cartoon Network with stuff like SWAT Cats and all the Toonami greatness. There was Disney's with Recess, Kids WB, and Batman Beyond, and the Almighty Pokemon, and Fox with Dra- Digimon. Okay, so he's talking about each of the different programs and the shows associated with those programs. So let's let's, let's rewind here. Ryan, Cartoon Network with Toonami and SWAT Cats, Disney with Recess. Kids WB with Batman Beyond and the Almighty Pokemon. Fox with Digimon and all the Fox Box stuff. But if I was forced to pick one, my man, Nick Nack Patty Whack. I'm sorry, he probably hates that. He said, oh, I'd wait. have to say... God, Nick- that's my pet
0: peeve. He's being super rude and he probably should have listed that for Travis's question.
1: Yeah. I Giving have- you nicknames that are... <laughs> yeah, I'd have to say Nickelodeon takes the cake for me with the classic... Rocco's Modern Life. Anyway, sorry for the long response, but Instagram just can't fit all these great shows. Not a problem. Did you see Travis's uh, question? Yeah,
2: they're email? Freaking books. <laughs> we love them. That though. sounds
1: so angry. God, just another fucking novel from Travis. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really appreciate those. Um, what an interesting pick if that's your favorite Nickelodeon TV show. Rocco's Modern Life. I'd hold it up there with like the Angry Beavers. <laughs> the Ah Real Monsters as one of those kind of not again similar to Doug. I guess I would say I'd throw it into that bucket. Not as ha- held in high regard as you know the Rugrats and Hey Arnold's of the world. Um, not to say it's a bad show, but I, d- I guess Rocco's Modern Life wasn't something I watched as much. Loved the theme song though. Rocco's Modern Life. I'm Rocco's Modern. I've life. never
0: seen this before.
1: No, come on, are you serious? just like Doug oh you've never seen Doug that's true and Rock is Modern Life well you weren't a Nickelodeon kid
0: I wasn't a lot of kids (laughs) (laughs) you weren't allowed to watch Yu-Gi-Oh Rugrats I had to burn my Yu-Gi-Oh cards because they were like the they caused me to do witchcraft and like be closer to Satan so I had to summon all the cards into the fire (laughs) I did get to keep my blue eyes and my red eyes but like the uh, the sexy magician girl that Yu-Gi-Oh Yugi has.
1: The dark magician?
0: Yeah. Or like the Toon dark magi- mm. or Dark Whatever. Um, Pegasus's pack. Pegasus's Toon thing. Had to throw her away because she had some cleavage. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, makes sense.
0: Cleavage is a, the spawn of Satan. <laughs>
1: Sure, I mean, you could be. But anyways, we've gone on for, well, first of all, thanks, Nick. Thank you, Travis, for yes. both writing in. Thank you for everyone writing in on the, the Instagrams. We're almost at two and a half hours now. Ryan Holy and I crap. have not even done the two main things we were supposed to do this show, which was <laughs> hypotheticals and back-of-the-box trivia. We're going to
0: figure out what we're going to do, and then we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what the hell is that?
1: <laughs> no, we're doing back-of-the-box trivia.
0: We, we're going to figure out what we're going to do. We'll be back all right bye you got yourself together ryan yeah kind of took another bathroom break All out myself okay i got a york so maybe some blood sugar will allow
1: me to speak again peppermint patty little mm-hmm. thing i um i had some b12 and fish oil gummy vitamins well you didn't offer me gummy vitamins because you're an
0: ins i haven't gained my ability to speak okay inhospitable host well, well- i give you my gummies Like they're candy. (laughs) (laughs) We're running low on resources, Ryan. (laughs) Okay. So what we decided was we're going to do five hypotheticals this time because we're at like two and a half hours in. Want to be mindful of your time. Yeah. And um, the next time we're going to go over the remaining half of Resident Evil, which are like 45 minutes, I think, at the beginning of this episode, and do back of the box and then the final
1: five hypotheticals. And I'm I trying it's to like think. Game plan. Yeah, and that's actually what I had for October 12th scheduled for, anyways. Yeah. So. so it all is coming together. We have five hypotheticals for you today. So we'll see where these go. Some of these titles are a little out there. And we're starting out with a strong one, Ryan. Okay. Lost Virginity Redux. Oh. Okay. Imagine you could go back to the age of five and relive the rest of your life knowing everything that you know now. You will re-experience your entire adolescence with both the cognitive ability of an adult and the memories of everything you've learned from having lived your life previously. Would you lose your virginity earlier or later than you did the first time around? And by how many years?
0: I feel like that's a really gross question, right? Because you've lived an adult and now you're living next to kids. And if you were to know everything about like high school stuff, and you're like dating a like a fifteen or sixteen year old, which is like the average time people lose their virginity now, is it like, are you a predator? Yeah. This because, question's fucked.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think of that? I mean, like, I didn't think of it that way. But now that you bring it up, it's like, like that's disgusting. you have all the memories of being an adult.
0: So like, you've lived through twenty, thirty, forty, so, and so 50, by the
1: time. So I'm 26 now, right? So I go back to five. Once I'm 26 again, I'm really like 45 or something. But even still, when I'm like 16, 18, whatever I am, dating an underage girl, I'm really like 40 years old. Yeah.
0: And like it was illegal after 18 to have sex with anyone under 18. Yeah. So if you were in like high school, early high school is like what, 14 because four yeah, years, I and you, think, get eight, you graduated like 18. I think usually? I was 13 or
1: 14 when I got into my freshman year, yeah. So that's, I mean, I
0: think the first girl I dated was in ninth grade. hmm So, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's, no. Like, uh, yeah. Would you, earlier or later, I think was the question, right? Would you lose it earlier or later? Probably earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was there someone you were dating at the time that you were like Probably like a twelve?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, that's gross. Um What well, I mean to all new people. So it really depends. Who I love. I yeah. <laughs> I I think it's a it's a very if you Analyze it, it's a gross question because of like the underage factor.
1: Yeah, I think As, maybe leaving that out of it so we're not, we don't sound like sexual predators. Yeah, because
0: I would prefer on something that is published. Yeah. Not to be a sexual predator. That's
1: true. Chris Hansen
0: will, will come after you. Yeah. Dude, I've watched so many of those pedophile chronicles.
1: Like with to Chris catch a predator? Yeah. yeah. But there's a, um, well, I should just name... take a seat right there. Just, just take a seat right there. Just sit down. <laughs> well, there's a guy, there's a YouTuber. Named Mr. Gigi.
0: It's yeah. M I S T A G G. He
1: and I were tight back in the day.
0: Have you ever watched him or are you just being an ass? I'm being or- an asshole. Nice. Yeah.
1: Fistball. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he actually goes through and commentates like Chris Hansen like to catch a predator. And his his commentary is hilarious. And Chris Hansen actually caught word of Mr. Gigi like doing this. And had him on and like they interviewed
1: really yeah
0: they he's hilarious he does also scary movie um reviews and breakdowns of like how shit how some stupid of, people yeah. are yeah like he went through the uh new like la Corona or whatever that uh Yorona. yeah yeah it was like this is the
1: worst la Corona <laughs>
0: <Yeah. laughs> l beer like yeah. <laughs> that is yeah that's um So, sex earlier or later? Um, Let's see. When did I lose my virginity? I was in college, so like twenty-two. So I have four, still with like four years of leeway Mm -hmm. to, like, so I don't feel dirty answering this question. Yeah. So I mean. I feel gross. <laughs> Probably before. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. No, I don't know an age, but before.
1: Yeah. For me, it's so weird because, like, I've...
0: You've you married my sister. Yeah. So answer, I know the answer to this question. So, so this is such a weird question. Would um, you have sex with someone else, Rosie? Are you cheating on my sister? Yeah, like, <laughs> Do I have to kill you? Do you yeah. have to call Matt? <laughs> You'll find someone. We'll drone you. Yeah. Um.
1: Can we just move on? Sure. I'm just kidding. I answered the question. I mean, I would I if I went back in time, so Lauren's out of the picture, would,
0: would we still look like ourselves and like still have the puberty of ourselves? So like can
1: I look like Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, I mean, I think he said we'd literally just be reliving oh, okay. our adult life. Um and adolescent life, I guess, for that matter, too. Oh,
0: I'd be a baller.
1: Um I don't know. It's it's purely Balling. related to who I would meet and if yeah. I'd fall in love with that person again because I waited for Lauren like literally like I figuratively and sexually like yeah. so I unless I found someone that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with I don't think I would I, I don't think it. earlier or later is beside the point it would be who really is the question for me okay so I'm gonna leave it at that is <laughs> a very safe answer yep alright let's get this next one here Ryan the nude acquaintance oh okay more nudity there it is Think of a specific friend of yours, (coughs) not your best friend, but someone who is more of an acquaintance. I feel like we've had one like this that sounded like this because I made a joke. I... Did we? We're going to find out here. Think of a specific friend of yours, not your best friend, but someone who is A, more than an acquaintance, and B, physically attractive. One day... First of all, I'm thinking of Travis. Who are you thinking of? I have no one... I'm trying to pinpoint someone... One day, while trotting, trolling the internet, you accidentally come across three nude photographs of this person. I'm actually no longer thinking about Travis. <laughs> yeah, reclined on a sofa bed.
0: <laughs> Sorry for that. If I mean, if this is a thing in a company, we don't have an HR, so you can't file anything. So I'm still thinking of Travis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you find three nude photographs he, of this he, person. Just imagine him listening to this, be like, "Ugh." Yeah. <laughs> you find. Um, One day while trolling the internet, you accidentally come across three nude photographs of this person reclined on a sofa bed. The pictures were clearly taken several years ago, and it's unclear if the photos were casually posed or taken without the subject's knowledge. Your friend looks comfortable, but he or she is never looking directly into the lens of the camera. The pictures are not labeled, and your friend's name is not listed anywhere on the site, but you're certain that this is the same person you know. What do you do with this information, Ryan? Do you tell anyone? I have a, um, the first people that come to mind are like co-workers
0: and like oh. I don't know if I would tell that person like cause it could be like did you hack my thing right Yeah, which would be creepy or like
1: were you were you the ones who took this were you eavesdrop or like or keeping it as Tom even if they knew they were out there the, I think the first question if there was a co-worker is like are you actively seeking nude photos of me? Like, yeah. what kind of a person are you? What kind of Google searches are you doing? Because I think that's more of an HR issue than like a nude photograph of yourself out on the internet. Like, who, who really cares? I mean, personally, I would freak out, but like, it's from an HR scenario. If those photos are out there, that's not something that's really caused for firing necessarily. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, if you have any, um, what is it? Any of those keyboard apps and you've ever sent a nude photo, then whoever owns the app owns the right to that photo. Okay. So, like, what's that one where you create a character, like, the... And it's, like, your face or your person doing stuff as, like, memes? Mm-hmm. Well, that, the app in the fine print owns the right to anything that's ever texted or... Uh, photos that you've sent. Interesting.
1: Which is terrifying. I was actually really worried where this photo was going or where this on um, this photo, this question was going. I thought it was going to be like, who's the friend? What do they look like? I don't know, but would you tell this person? It's really dependent on It who depends the on if it says acquaintance, so you don't really know them well. No, it's that's exactly what they say. They say more than an acquaintance. Oh, it's more than an acquaintance. Yeah, so it's not your best friend, but more than an acquaintance. Oh, okay. I guess it took just acquaintance.
0: I probably let them know
1: I would too I mean I really have no like, reason not I'd to I'd preface this I'd be like hey bro like you're looking at dudes <laughs> like or hey girl like whoever you know, hey girl just letting you know like got your nudes <laughs> wasn't actively seeking this but you might wanna this could be maybe you this is intentional and you want these to be out there but if not you might wanna might wanna do something about that
0: yeah be careful who you text
1: that's right that's right
0: Next one, Ryan. That'd be such an uncomfortable conversation. It'd be
1: very uncomfortable.
0: Hey, so... I've seen your bits.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Poor listeners. Cool. Listening to your laugh. I'm sure they appreciate it. Um, A total stranger... Okay, so this next one... Well, usually it's like, Hey, Ryan, eat the mic. And then it's like, Hey, Ryan, don't eat the mic. Well, no, see, here's this... And I'm like, I'm not gonna be like going back like blowing the mic. Well, typically, so the Game Informer podcast, they do a live video of it. Mm -hmm. And when they laugh, they pull away. Well next question (laughs) (laughs) the moon fight ryan moon fight a total stranger picks a fight with you in a bar this stranger is exactly your size and weight you have done nothing to this individual to warrant such animosity but the stranger really wants to fight you and to make matters weirder this stranger wants to fight you on the moon and this is somehow possible you and the stranger will be transported to the surface of the moon outfitted in ultra thin and very comfortable space suits and rigged with lightweight oxygen tanks. You will then be expected to fight for 10 three-minute rounds. You can't use weapons, there are no rules, and you cannot quit, unless you or your opponent are knocked unconscious. Do you accept this challenge? And if yes, what is your moon-fighting strategy, Ryan?
0: Oh, I totally accept. Even if if there
1: was no reward, it was just like, go to the moon, fight, and just whatever. That's it. Just do it.
0: Oh, Yeah, of course. (laughs) All expenses paid trip. Well, I mean, you're going to die eventually. So, I mean, like, it said knocked out. So it sounds like they have a recovery plan if you die. But, like, my first strategy would be to, like, unhinge their little oxygen supply. (laughs) Okay. I mean, they'll go unconscious. And, like, before they die, they get teleported back. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully they don't suffer brain damage. But, like, that's the first strategy. It's like going for the nut shot. Yeah. Right. Except on the moon, so it's like,
1: it's weird. Go for the the lens shot. Yeah. Or the yeah, I would um, yeah. Why not? I would do this. And because I, would, I mean, think of that perspective of the Earth. Like I'd love to look at the Earth from off the Earth. But you only have three minute rounds, Ron. You will get a lot of a whole lot of yeah, but like sightseeing. When I'm like,
0: massaging my broken rib, I'm mm-hmm. in my corner, and like blood is all over my front mask from. My opponent Mm -hmm. who is apparently open to the environment. I'm gonna be looking at this earth and be like, Gosh. I live there. Yeah. (laughs) That's a cool looking sphere. It isn't
1: flat anymore. Yeah. So I would I would do it and I would um I'd throw a nasty left hook. I think my left hook's pretty strong. strong. Really? Yeah.
0: I don't think I have the ability to fight.
1: I'm not but I'm untrained. Yeah, but you could punch someone and literally punch them through a wall, probably. Yeah, but like... Let's be honest. He's my equal, right? So he could punch me through a wall. Oh, that's right. Well, equal weight and size, not necessarily in talent and skill, Ryan. Yeah, like in my spare time, I'm
0: a Krav Maga master. (laughs) 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 Trained to kill.
1: All right, that's an interesting one for sure. The Mind Killer, Ryan. This is a very long (laughs) card. You become friends. Is that a Travis email? <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Travis.
0: You become, yeah, I mean, we just we told you that there are nude photos of you out there. That's right. <laughs> and
1: we do you the honor. You become friends with a charismatic Spanish insur- insurance salesman who claims to be a mystic. At mm. first, you think he's just an interesting weirdo, but then a mutual acquaintance mysteriously dies in his sleep and your Spanish friend tells you I killed that guy. I killed him with my mind. You find this disturbing and inappropriate, but you decide to let it go. Two weeks later, an unpopular location or local politician dies in his sleep. I killed that man too, says your Spanish friend. I killed him with my mind. This is annoying and tasteless, but once again, you let it go. The very next day, the Spanish insurance salesman calls you on the telephone and says, check the newspaper and see what I did with my mind. It's in the entertainment section. When you open the newspaper, you see an obituary for a songwriter, or singer-songwriter, Tori Amos. The article says she mysteriously died the night before. Technically, this proves nothing, but you nonetheless confront your Spanish friend and tell him that you've grown tired of all of his hypothetical mind-murdering and that you no longer want to be his friend. Quote, Don't you dare shut me out of your life. He says, You are my best friend. You must remain in my life. I'm not sure what I would do if you betrayed me. What is going on here? (laughs) do you remain friends with this possibly delusional, possibly dangerous Spaniard? You have no physical proof that he can actually kill people with this mind. Temporarily, I stay friends with him. So, like, in the anime
0: Death Note, you, like, you write in a book and it has to be very specific and you can write how they die. So what you do is you do an experiment. Is
1: that what that show's about? Yeah.
0: So, like, (laughs) the anime's really good until you know where it doesn't get good. But, like, there did a live action re like thing of it and it was shit. Yeah, that's what I heard. But like the show was actually really entertaining.
1: I think this is um so the are on podcast, link in the show notes, mm-hmm. Alec Chronolink nine and Zach are on that podcast. They did like five T V shows that influenced their childhood or five T V shows that defined them, I think is what it was. And I think Death Note was one of Alex. Yeah, Death
0: Note was I watched that with Ben and Rick back in college and it's really entertaining. Hmm. um but the concept is they per, this person finds a journal called a death note and he writes a name in it and that person dies and then he was testing the bounds of that and he like you can list out basically how they die or time or whatever and um so he just goes on and kills a bunch of criminals like episode 1 and so what i would do is do something similar to that would be like test out or run an experiment on my friend to say hey I, I just want to I'm like I don't 100% believe you I want to understand what a mystic is and just go in there like skeptical yeah Be like prove like here let's do something specific with your mystic powers yeah here's an ant on
1: the ground like just cause him to stop moving
0: yeah or like maybe there's a, like a murder or something like that mm-hmm. similar to like that the anime And you have, like, time, place, how they die kind of thing. Yeah. And then if they can't do it, have them, like, run it again just to be sure. And then dump their ass. Yeah. If they can't. If
1: they can, be afraid. Or kill them in their sleep. Yeah, if they can't, then definitely run far away because they're psycho. Yeah. They probably have some serious issues. I agree. You should watch that one after Full Metal. I do. I do need to. That sounds really interesting. Super Gorilla is the fifth and final hypothetical for today, Ryan. Genetic engineers at John Hopkins University announced that they have developed a so-called Super Gorilla. Though the animal cannot speak, it has a sign language lexicon of more than 12,000 words, an IQ of nearly 85, and most notable, a vague sense of self-awareness. Oddly, the creature, who weighs 700 pounds becomes fascinated by football. The gorilla aspires to play the game at its highest level and quickly develops the rudimentary skills of a defensive end. ESPN analyst Tom Jackson speculates that this gorilla would be borderline unblockable. He weighs 700 pounds. He's twice as big as any... They have the cr- like millennium. thousands
0: of pounds of like crushing strength.
1: And would average six sacks per game, although Jackson concedes that the beast might be susceptible to counters and misdirection plays and murder <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile the gorilla has made it clear that he would never intentionally injure any opponent you a commissioner of the NFL would you allow this gorilla to sign with the Oakland Raiders if Antonio Brown was still playing for them hell yeah yeah
0: no I mean like as far as 85 IQ I think that's at the range of mental retardation Right, so... Is it? I don't know, IQ-wise. I think 100's average and, like, maybe 90? Or... Double-check that. Okay. I think, or 70. Like, 85's pretty low, I would assume.
1: The average IQ test is 100. 85 to 114 is average intelligence. 115 to 129, above... Bright 130 to 144, moderately gifted, 145 to 159, Ryan Cole. Yes. So. Yeah.
0: So what? Go. What was the scale? What's below 85?
1: Um, that's average. So anything below that, I I don't want to make assumptions, but that's probably. Well, there's
0: a specific um level of IQ that the military will not accept because they are detriment to any job they are put in
1: well 85 to 99 on this scale says lower average 70 to 84 is below average 50 to 69 is borderline low and anything below 55 is just considered low here really IQ that Um, is considered 52 to 68 says borderline deficiency on this other scale mental retardation so (laughs) i'm not sure I will let you pull it up. On my work computer. Should we play some music in the meantime?
0: Okay. Between seventy and seventy-five is considered mental retardation. Mm,
1: okay. So, average intelligence then for this this uh, this gorilla?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh. So yeah, definitely not. Because there are so many potential lawsuits. Because you're literally allowing an ape to play among people like that just sounds crazy
0: yeah and what happens i mean you wouldn't really hit him he'd be hitting you but like say he gets a brain trauma and like he goes insane like most football people die young who've been hit by concussions or like they shoot their families like in wrestlers Mm -hmm. so say he gets concussed a few times and like he's already moderate iq he gets some brain damage slips off the deep end And starts crushing people on the field. Do you like shoot a gorilla who's killing everyone because he's 700 pounds on a field? Like then think of the, like one, the liability. And then two, there'd be a lawsuit from everyone in the stands and on live TV. Yeah. Who watched a gorilla murder people on a field when they really just wanted to drink a beer, eat a hot dog, and watch some ball.
1: Yeah. Well, and you gotta take into consideration too, in an age now where roughing the passer is such a strict strictly held penalty among referees as far as Yeah, you touch the helmet now. I mean, yeah, and they like freak out if after the quarterback's throwing the ball. But just the sheer force of seven hundred pounds raining down on a lanky Tom Brady. Yeah. He would his his body would like collapse. His he would die. I mean
0: yeah, I don't know how you would, I mean, with momentum, how you would regulate that.
1: No. I mean, it's seriously like a a snowman, or an abominable snowman, like, falling on you, or a bowling ball. Let's see. Let's Google Talk about a force to be reckoned with. Well, I'm trying to think of the force to break bones.
0: Force required... Or the poundage. To break a bone. Let's see, 4,000 newtons. So if you think of, I don't know how it is laterally with like friction, but like um, you have gravity, which it's been so long, was it 9.8 or 8 point? Gravity variable. We will teach you something people. It's an educational program. Let's just say times eight. So um, you have 700 pounds times eight is the force if it's something is falling, mm-hmm. so if something's moving, moving, you have the forces against it, you have the forces with it, with like the coefficient of friction. But you're still, say, it's running five miles per hour or meters, whatever. You're getting hit by four thousand pounds if it's running anywhere fast. You're dead. And to break bones, it's four thousand newtons, or essentially the variable that you're the seven hundred times the whatever distance. Mm-hmm. You're breaking bones just being hit by the thing running at you. Yeah, let alone toppling or like falling trying on you. To. Yeah. Uh, what is gravity?
1: No, there's there's no way. So I think this is enough uh, enough of a physics lesson, Ryan. We don't yeah. we don't need any anything not, else going on here. I feel like here. an idiot not knowing gravity. That's okay. I don't either. We can be mutually stupid. All right, so that's uh, a wrap on the hypotheticals. Again, we're gonna do the back of the box next week with the final it is five. Nice. Nine point seven
0: eight.
1: 033 cool on earth so we will do the last five hypotheticals next week with back of the box trivia so stay tuned for that Ryan listeners can now enjoy if they've seen it seen it seen it see now it's really time to end the episode (laughs) if they've seen the movie The Joker watch this next segment Ryan and I do a spoiler filled discussion so yes hope you enjoy that yeah see ya Ryan yes let's get into spoiler territory for Todd Phillips The Joker okay what do you think? I think it was awesome. Still. Well, we already, we already established that, but
0: from, a, from a, us, <laughs> it's been like two minutes for us since we last talked about it at the so, beginning of the episode.
1: So, from a spoiler perspective, you have Phoenix's Joker, who's working in this—I don't want to say carnival space—but this these people all dress up in clown makeup. They're outside of shops, you know, trying to get people to come into storefronts and buy stuff that you know for places that are going out of business and things like that. He ends up getting his sign taken from a bunch of kids, he gets beaten, and then the uh, his boss kind of calls him in and fires him because he's not only done that, but he brought a handgun into a children's hospital. Yeah, that he had gotten from a coworker, and he specifically said, like, I
0: shouldn't have this kind of thing, because you could tell there's something mentally wrong with him. Mm-hmm.
1: And um. then he ends up using it as a prop. He He explains that it's a prop, it's part of his act. Yeah,
0: but he very much got fired. And then he's still in clown garb, and he's on the subway, and then, like, some drunk—three drunk guys were harassing a girl by, like, chucking fries at her.
1: Yeah, and then she got up and left, and that's when they came over to him. And Phoenix's character has this—I should say the Joker in this movie has this condition where, in uncomfortable situations, he starts laughing uncontrollably. And this is shown at multiple instances in the film. And whether or not it is an actual physical condition or not is kind of brought up later in the movie when these cops or these detectives approach him um, and say like, hey, is that actual condition or is it like, what is it? And he's like, what do you think? Very defensively. And so you don't really know if it's like part of his act, quote unquote, or if he does. I mean, he's clearly mentally ill, but anyways, he's getting beat up by these guys and he takes the handgun out and shoots one of them, kills him. In, like, the face. Yeah. And you're like, oh, crap. All right. Then like, shoots the other one in the chest a couple times. The other one gets away but got shot in the leg. Once they get off the subway, he chases him down and kills him. Yeah. And that's when he kind of first gets this sense of empowerment. And it later in the movie, it's interesting because he's talking with someone and he might even be talking to himself. I can't really recall. And he talks about how it should be bothering him, but it's not. And the way he says it is so disturbing. And just you recognize that this guy is crazy. But after he kills these guys, he runs like a psychopath through the park under a bridge. And he finds this bathroom in a park. And that's when he locks the door and closes it. Mm -hmm. And that's when he starts like dancing to nothing. There's no music playing. I mean, there's music that we hear. There's nothing in there that's playing. It's like he has an iPad. This is like in, set in like the 80s. And I think that's when he kind of becomes the Joker. He embraces that persona.
0: Yeah, he definitely... I don't know if he came to the, became the Joker there. I think it's maybe like an hour down the line. I yeah. think that's where he first gets the glimpses of where his character's going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's when he eventually kills his mom is when the Joker becomes a thing, when he realizes... He says a line like, my life isn't a
1: tragedy, it's a
0: uh, comedy. He said, up up until this
1: point, I thought my life was a tragedy, and now I understand it's a comedy, and that's when he suffocates his mom who's in the hospital.
0: Yeah, so I think that's where he becomes a choker, and then after that point, you're like, oh shit, we're on
1: a rocky ride. And what's interesting about this movie, and why a lot of um, reviewers are saying you're not really sure if the last 30 minutes actually happen or not, is because there are multiple instances in the film where... He thinks things are happening, or he things ha- imagines that things are happening that are not. Mm-hmm. One is when he walks home, or he goes home from work, and he sits in bed with his mom, who's watching the Murray show. Who It's basically Jimmy Kimmel in the 80s, but it's hosted by Robert De Niro, whose character yeah. is, is Murray. And Phoenix is watching it, and then you're, they, the camera shifts to you're on set with Murray, and Phoenix is in the audience laughing, and... Robert Near calls him out, asks him to stand up, and he says, "You know, my mom told me that I was put on this earth to make people laugh and smile and whatever." And he sounds like a child when he talks. Yeah, he it's does. really weird. But then after that whole thing happens, it cuts back. He's in the room with his mom sitting. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is a little weird. And then after he kills those three guys on the subway, he goes home. And he knock, or he does, yeah. He knocks on the door of his neighbor, who's this, uh, this black girl, mm-hmm. who has a young daughter. Who's very pretty. Yeah, who has a young daughter, and he just starts making out with her. Yeah. And presumably, they have sex. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, so this guy has like blood on his face, all over his clothes. He just murdered three people. You're just gonna let this dude walk into your apartment, and have sex? Okay, we'll let that happen. We'll let that slide. I was like, wow, he's gained some confidence because he met her on the. Um the elevator.
0: Yeah, the elevator.
1: Because she was coming in. He was already in the elevator earlier in the film. She said, hold the elevator. And, of course, he held it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah. So, later in the movie, he has a comedy act. And so he goes to this restaurant. Yeah, to- and it's funny because I actually, there's a comedian
0: on before him. And I don't, I didn't look up the name of the comedian. But I actually follow him on Instagram and, like, listen to his bits. So, like, when I heard his voice, I was like, Awesome. He has a part in this movie. Oh, like, nice. Just, yeah.
1: He's really funny. So he goes up on, on the stage and he his condition comes out and he just starts laughing uncontrollably. Yeah. And then he tells a bunch of really stupid jokes. Well, then he goes on a date with this girl because she, quote unquote, was there. And then, you know, they walk and get like hot dogs or whatever, get dinner and everything like that. And see that like the clown face was in the newspaper for killing these three guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, later in the movie, then you find out she was never there because when his mom's in the hospital, she kind of is patting him on the back and just, you know, comforting him and says, hey, I'm going to get a coffee. Do you want one? He just says, yeah. And then later in the movie, you find out none of that ever happened. She yeah, was never she, there. like,
0: I don't know why he was in the rain. Something bad happened or, like, but he was in the rain and he, like, wanders, goes into her apartment and is, like, sitting on the couch and she comes out from, like, putting her kid to bed. And she, like, freaks out, like, you're in the wrong apartment. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, shit. So, like, none of that happened. Yeah. Kind of thing.
1: But. Yeah. Yeah, crazy stuff. And then later in the movie, I don't know, Ryan, when is, like, the transition, you think? So when he kills his mom, he goes home, he starts putting on the makeup. And I think this is when there's going to be this crazy riot that's going to take place. Yeah, so the riots have been going on because –
0: after that point, the clown is seen as like it's lower class versus upper class, and the mm-hmm. lower or the upper class is keeping you down. And like the Bruce Wayne's dad is running for mayor, yeah, Thomas Wayne, yeah. And um, he's seen as like one of the icons for like I don't know, the 1% to do so, like, uh, as a reference to the real world. And um, so they're rioting. They're all seeing this clown as a rallying point. Um, there's a bit about what?
1: Well, I was going to say, this is kind of all over the place, so I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah. But it's interesting because now we're doing this just off the cuff. But Phoenix's Joker actually goes to the Wayne That's what I was gonna mention. manor and sees Bruce there. And he's talking to them. He's doing like a little circus act with this little pole. Flowers come out of it and stuff like that. Well, the mom, his mom is repeatedly writing letters to Thomas Wayne that are never getting to them because years ago, she worked for the, the, the Waynes. Mm-hmm. Well, she convinces uh, Arthur Fleck, who plays Joker or is the Joker, that Thomas Wayne is her father or his father. Yeah. And so then I'm thinking in the theater like, oh, what? No. Joker is Bruce Wayne's half brother. This can't be Right. Which would be crazy. That would be just, yeah. My mind would have been blown. But at the same time, I'd have been like, oh, come on. That's too easy to have yeah. a plot point like that. Well, it turns out that's not the case. His mom is freaking nuts. And she adopted him, had a boyfriend that beat the holy hell out of him as a kid. And her. And he was malnourished, not fed, things like that. Tied to a radiator. Yeah, that's when he was found by Child Protective Services, literally tied to a radi- radiator, malnourished. Yeah. Bruises all over his body probably why he's as screwed up as he is today Mm -hmm. yeah that'll do it um so i guess let's just fast forward to the end of the movie ryan
0: so yeah after he kills his mom um the rats are still going on everyone's still unhappy and he got to who was the the talk show host guy so robert de niro so robert de niro invites or shows a clip of him bombing at this comedy club yeah and like laughing hysterically he sees um him as a father figure. I mean, as the flat, the previous flashback kind of shows, mm-hmm. and because uh, I think he said something like, "I wish I had a son like you," or like, "You're such a, good, you'd be such a good son," or something like that. Yeah. To him, when he's imagining it, exactly. So he sees that comedy thing, and um, it, it's obvious that he did it to just make fun of him. Mm-hmm. So he ends up getting a call,
1: or and Murray, Marie- or oh, right, I shouldn't say Murray. Arthur Fleck understands that he's being made fun of. It's not apparent at the time when he sees it because he gets really excited. He's actually in the hospital with his mom when he sees the clip.
0: Yeah. You don't know if he understands because of him being very mentally ill. But after he kills his mom, he's sitting there. He gets an invitation to be on the show. Mm -hmm. And so he's preparing his makeup, like you were saying. And two of his old clown co-workers come in this this, was insane this like tall dude who had given him the gun and was like kind of a dick and then this midget dude who they made fun of but he was less of a dick and um he gets up and they're just talking and they brought him a bottle of something to like say hey sorry your mom died and (coughs) then um arthur or the joker just pulls out scissors and stabs the big dude in the neck.
1: And then he stabs him right in the freaking face. Like yeah. Right through the eye hole. And then, yeah, he's dead. And, and then, then the, like, it was funny because the little midget guy, he's he's British. Yeah. So he, like, backs in the corner. was like, oh my gosh. You know, he's, like, freaking the heck out. And Arthur just sits down. And like, he's just covered in blood. And he's like, you can go. And then, the, the, the midget's like, why the fuck did you do that Arthur and he's I don't even remember what his response was but it was very just kind of like no it was pretty
0: much he was a dick yeah and like I he goes the midget runs to the door and like he had put the chain in so it was locked and he couldn't reach it yeah and I was like oh gosh he was just like tempting him to go out there he's gonna murder him now so he's like he goes over and like unlocks the door slightly opens it and then stops and I was like Shit! Now he's gonna close it and Murder! I'm like, and then they avert expectations, and that's how you do ex- averting expectations. Mm-hmm. Unlike how the Jedi did with like Luke throwing it over his shoulder, this oh. is how you do it. You you close the door for a second and says, "I've always liked you. You weren't a dick to be." Yeah. Opens the door and lets him go. Yeah. And you're like, I did not see that coming, but it wasn't like in your face
1: about it. Yeah, I was really convinced that he was honestly going to open up the door. Did I say adverting? I think it's subverting. Okay, subverting expectations. Yeah. yeah. I was fully convinced he was going to open the door and then just shove his head yeah, into the door and just saw that. crush it like a like a pumpkin. Because he also had
0: done that to the other guy. Like, after he stabbed him in the eye, he put his head and then he just started slamming it into the wall.
1: Oh, that's right. I was like, God, his neighbors are going to be
0: pissed.
1: And that's the wild thing is that he goes from zero to 100 so fast. Yeah. And then he goes back to zero, like there's nothing going on.
0: Like when he was leaving, or once he got fired, he had like punched the clock out machine. And then he was like, hey, everyone, this dude, like the big dude sold me a gun. And like the dude was like, no, no, I didn't. And he just starts laughing. And then he turns the corner in the hallway as he's leaving and then he stops, and it's just dead face as he leaves. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. All right. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, and then after that, he goes on the show, and, like, he does a... he. It seems like his plan is to go on the show, do a knock-knock joke, and then shoot himself in the face. That's right. Because that's what he'd been practicing. Which... You can see why it's not a kid movie (laughs) for, like, the entire thing. Yeah. It's not like, oh, let's do a standalone. This is
1: not like a, oh, Border R, PG-13 Marvel movie. This This is undoubtedly an R movie, and unless you are 18 years old, you should not be seeing this. And I do
0: like the superhero movies as R. Like, they're really well done. Like Logan? Or Deadpool? Yeah. Like, Logan, you think, oh, we got a standalone, like, Wolverine movie. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's not... For the faint of heart. No, it's not. Um, so he gets on the show. He does, like, some stupid jokes. He's in full makeup. And, like, before, he just says, hey, call me the Joker when I come out. Yeah. So he does his dancing. And, like, the people who were like, going to open the curtain are, like, looking at him as he's, like, dancing before saying, like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. And he goes out. He, like, kisses the girl who's on stage. An old lady. Yeah. And she's just like, what? And then... He says some joke that they're like, whoa, 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 you can't say that. Yeah, like It was about like who laughs at dead or like hitting people with your car or something like like killing people. And you're like, what? She's like, yeah, you can't say that. When
1: Murray, Robert De Niro's character – Like that's not funny. Did not want to – or he wanted to bring him on for a full segment and his producer or whatever said, this is not a good idea. And so as they're having this conversation – uh, Joker is just saying, just ridiculous, off the wall stuff. And he eventually ta- was talking to Murray about being a bad person. And well,
0: he said he, he killed the three people in the subway. First. Oh, that's right. That's right. And they're like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, I killed them and I don't feel bad about it. They were assholes. And like, the only people that why people care is because their boss. Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. was like he's a big shot or like one of the people keeping this down. And then he starts talking about like you're a everyone like the elites are bad people and kind of the same rhetoric that the clown posse outside are reppin.
1: Yep. And then yeah, he's going talking to Murray about being a bad person. He's part of this elitist group. And then he says the only reason you have me on the show is because you wanted to get get a laugh out of me. You know, you wanted to embarrass me, <clears throat> and like that's why you showed the clip. And I think Ryan, I can speak on both of our behalfs. I'm sitting here thinking like, there's no way he's gonna kill himself, but there's no way he's gonna kill Murray. Yeah, I was
0: like, that's really bold. Like, like I don't, I don't know how he's gonna escape,
1: but I doubt he's gonna kill him. And then he pulls out his handgun and shoots Murray right in the face, dead.
0: Yeah, and he just sits back down. He's just completely chill about it. And then, like, everyone's screaming, obviously. Freaking out. And there's some live TV, so, like, everyone saw that. And then he gets up and just shoots him in the chest a
1: few more times and, like, runs up to the camera. And starts saying a bunch of nonsense, and then it cuts off the air.
0: Yeah, and I was like, it cuts out with all the screens and stuff.
1: Yeah. And I was like,
0: is that how they're going to end it? I thought the same thing. like, oh, my gosh, they're ending the movie. Because the beginning of Us was all of those screens, right, with the bunnies? Yeah. And I was like that would be a really interesting way to end the movie he yeah. just shoots him and like walks off the air kind of thing
1: but the way it was being reviewed and what people were saying about the ending i'm like no this would not have gotten the review scores it got if it was ended that abruptly
0: yeah so then it cuts to him in a Cop squad car. car yeah
1: and um utter chaos on the streets yeah just
0: clowns burning cars and like looting and just i don't know just bad things and he was just cracking up at like this is what he caused and then all of a sudden he got hit by an ambulance and it turns out some clowns had hijacked an ambulance and then they see that their like leader was in the back and then like they raise him up almost like it almost mirrored as they're pulling him out like the floating scene at the end of gladiator where he's like kind of floating oh, on yeah. his back. yeah. And uh, then they put him on the back of the car and then like a crowd starts to gather and he kind of comes to. And then at this point, like it cuts to another clown and he sees Bruce Wayne, his mom and Thomas Wayne leaving the theater in mm-hmm. this chaos.
1: And I was like, holy shit, we're doing this right now. Yeah. We're coming full circle. Not only is, the Joker beco- or is Arthur Fleck becoming Joker, But we are going to see the death of Bruce's parents, and he is going to eventually, in the future, become Batman.
0: And it was all because of the Joker's, like, chaos action that Bruce Wayne became a thing, or Batman became a
1: thing. Yeah, because he's like, I have to stop this anarchy. Yeah. As a young kid, I'm assuming that's what he's thinking, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, then you, like, you think back, it's like, he met the Joker in his lifetime, and you're like... He did an act for him like mm-hmm. it's it's so weird to think and then the Joker comes to and sees everyone's around him and he stands up on his car and then this is where you were talking about the Jack Nicholson thing
1: yeah so he stands up and just feels like a dictator almost like this authority figure on the top of this car standing among clowns that he created this kind of resistance or this revival or whatever you want to call it and he he tastes the blood in his mouth and he puts his fingers in his mouth and he spreads it to create a smile with the blood. And it reminded me of Jack Nicholson's Joker. And because it's a very dark red. It's really dark. And, and that reminded me of his makeup when he played Joker back in the 80s. And like with the
0: blood smile, it looked super creepy. You're like, it was weird. Like I get the clown makeup, but like with that, you actually like, it's He is the Joker. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue that he became, like, mentally the Joker probably when he killed his mom. But, like, embodying the Joker was probably at that point.
1: Yeah. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, but we flash forward to Arkham Hospital at this point. Yeah, so there's a long sequence of, oh, like, a bunch
0: of clowns coming and, like, him kind of... Being praised. Being the praiser, like, a god of the clowns. Yeah. And then we cut forward.
1: Yeah, so he's in I this think. this white room being spoken to by a psychologist the same
0: one that had spoken to him as like the civil servant at the beginning of the movie it's right
1: and so she is talking to him and he just starts laughing uncontrollably again Mm -hmm. and she asks him arthur what's so funny and this is if you weren't listening closely or if there was a noise in the theater you literally would not have caught the dialogue here but he said i thought of a joke and she's like what is it and he says under his breath so silently you wouldn't get it yeah you wouldn't get it and it was like what and that's when you start questioning like
0: is the entire movie in his mind
1: so maybe bruce wayne's parents weren't killed because he would have wanted that to happen and that would have been funny in his mind it also would, would have been funny to go on the murray show and literally shoot him in the fucking face yeah and then all the other craziness that he he caused It's like, uh, what? So then he starts walking down the hallway with blood on his shoes. Did you notice that? Yeah. So he's walking down the hallway. He looks like his hands are probably tied up in the front. And he walks in the hallway. And then he's just being chased back and forth by another... Very Scooby-Doo-esque. Yeah, like a security guard or something. And this music's playing, and it's very old-timey New York. And then it just says, The End. Yeah. And then the credits start rolling. It was like, what did I just watch?
0: Yeah. I, uh, I don't know where in the timeline, if it's just a lateral movement, but the, the girl from the beginning looked older.
1: Like she had gray hair. She did. And that's why it led me to believe, like, I wasn't even sure if it was the same person. You said that. And I kind of thought it too, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think it was. So.
0: It, she just had gray hair. So it makes you think that it's in the future, but like.
1: Like he was in prison, somehow escapes, and then all those events happened.
0: Well, he was in a psych ward, and then he got released, and then he had the medication, and then the entire thing happened, and then eventually he well, was that's, caught.
1: that's interesting you bring that up, because earlier in the movie when she was questioning him, like, she asked him, do you remember why you were in that cell? Yeah. And then it just cuts to a scene of him banging his head on the window. Yeah. And then his response is something like, I don't even remember why I was there or even being there. That's an interesting point you bring up. It could have been completely flipped. That could have been the beginning of the movie. He somehow escapes and then all of that stuff happens. Yeah. That would be insane.
0: It's a really confusing timeline because you see like two or three times throughout the movie what you think is happening isn't happening. Like with the girlfriend, with Murray with this like you don't know what is and what isn't
1: yeah it's crazy i don't know it's a great movie (laughs) it does require repeat viewings but i i need to wait a while before i see it again i honestly will probably end up buying it when it comes out and that'll be the second time i see it yeah just because it's exhausting and the game that i'm playing is very (laughs) exhausting as well a lot of fun we'll get to that well, in the past. In the past. We're going to go back to the past. <laughs> See, we're basically Todd Phillips, the Joker movie, this podcast, Ryan, because yeah. you never know when things are happening and what time Did timeline. we murder
0: Bruce Wayne's parents? Who knows? Stick around for episode 59.
1: Find out next week. Thanks for tuning in. It's kind of weird that we're ending the episode before we've recorded like the bulk of the episode. Yeah. But we want to thank all of you fine folks for listening. Again, if you listened to last episode, I kind of mapped out the timeline of future episodes, including our top 10 childhood games and our top 10 adulthood games, kind of like the past two generations. So we do want to get a lot of listener feedback and involvement in that. So if you want to write to, into the podcast with your top five childhood games and maybe your fo- top five of the past two generations, kind of 2008 on, please write in at podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter where I post the up to, uh, the show them that's When I post the show itself, (laughs) when it's going live, the topics that we're going to be talking about, and all of that fun stuff. We're
0: already, like, jumbling words, and we haven't actually recorded the podcast, even though this is at the end. This is
1: probably going to be a three-hour episode, Ryan. Yeah. We'll see.
0: You already know because of the (laughs) timestamp.
1: That's right. Thank you all for listening. Ryan, any parting words? Have a good week. Go watch The Joker. That's right. Later. See ya.